Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic, Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation. And thank you very much uh, for coming in tonight. Uh, we've got a full-packed show uh, tonight with uh, some guests as well as the topics for this evening. Uh, so we're looking for uh, an interesting time tonight. Uh, something, of course, you've heard uh, in the news and some things uh, perhaps not. Uh, so we'll uh, be doing that this evening. Uh, looking forward to... Uh, hearing from you uh, with your messages uh, coming in to me through the email, the www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk website. Uh, you can go to the contact page where you can give me comments uh, for tonight's show. Now, of course, we're going to talk about a number of things, one of which is uh, what's going on with Twitter. We'll be getting that. We also have an update uh, from our friends at Watch the Vote USA, uh, and they'll be uh, speaking about that earlier, so we might have to break in. Uh, you know, to our conversations to, to get them in tonight for that update uh, when we do that. And so, uh, you know, we'll just have to play it by ear as we do with the organic way we do here uh, on the show. Uh, I know that they've been working on some things when it comes to uh, voter fraud, and there's something they're trying to get out uh, to Donald Trump. And so, well, President Trump, we'll, we'll touch that as well. Of course, we're also going to talk about tonight uh, – the, of course, trial uh, of uh, Paul Manafort, of course, uh, from the, what I agree, witch hunt uh, of Donald Trump. And amazingly enough, it has nothing to do with Russian collusion. And so uh, we'll be discussing that and also the possibilities of uh, Trump uh, just going ahead and pardoning it, through my understanding, uh, Giuliani kind of not let the cat out of the bag, but kind of hinted to it. Of course, that's causing all type of hoopla's, and then we're going to be that'll be part of our discussion as well as uh, changing the uh, power in Washington. And we're that's that's going to include a lot of things. Not only does it include uh, you know some articles and things I have from the website, uh, but also of course I don't I really don't think people are really paying attention. I really don't think that they're gearing up for uh, November. This is an election year. I know it's an off year. I know it's, you know, just seats. But I'm telling you, if people don't get out there, and we've been saying this for a long time, and they're not, you know, rallying, even if it's a place where Trump's not at, uh, doing a rally and showing support for the president and showing support for the, uh, you know, the different candidates. And I'm even having a little debate on Facebook, you know, about, yeah, we might not like the Republicans, and you know folks who are long-term listeners, and I'm not a vote-for-any-Republican, just vote to vote for a Republican uh, kind of person. I've never been that way, and I'm really still not now. But, man, if the Democrats take the House, 
then we're going to be moving backwards and you're going to be spending the next two years. If you can hold on that long of them trying to, uh, you know, impeach Donald Trump, that's all we're going to hear about. And all the, you know, project progress that he has made is just going to be blown away. Uh, if the Democrats are allowed. So I know they say with the pendulum swinging uh, that, you know, normally when a president gets in, you know, the opposite party two years later, uh, takes over. I think that's a bunch of bull crap. Um, but they're talking about the blue waves. I mean, and it is really a pendulum right now. I'm just talking about the past couple of months. I mean, first, you show all the Republicans might hold on. All oh, now the Democrats, all oh, the Republicans. Might, uh, but now, of course, now it's starting to swing more, you know, the polls, at least, if you can believe them, uh, swinging more, uh, you know, towards maybe the Democrats. But but we'll see. But I do see a couple of folks on the line. Push the one on your number dial when you're ready to get in. I see Kelly on the line. Uh, he'll be doing uh, our intros. I believe I also see our other guest, uh, the founder of Patriot Journalist Network. I believe that's uh, his number. I'll be doing some uh, getting folks in the green room. Uh, so if you don't uh, hear it, the volume stops. It's because I have a point into the green room. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and uh, get Kelly on, uh, introduce our guest, and give us an update on what the Watch to Vote USA is doing. And thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight, Kelly? Hey, doing great, great. We got an exciting guest coming, uh, John Brakey. I can't wait to hear from him. Um, yeah, so President Trump, the White House at least, has a proposed executive order how to correct and hold accountable the elections, and even going back to counting uh, the 2016 votes. So here's a press release, one page, and then uh, I want to turn it over to John Brakey. If he, and so here's a press release. Watch the Vote USA sends President Trump executive order to protect election systems. Concerned with the vulnerabilities of the electronic election system, Watch the Vote USA, a nonpartisan election integrity organization, provided to the Trump administration a proposed executive order. The proposed executive order displays a method for Americans to perform an at-home election recount. Uh, Jim Condit, Jr., the founder of Watch the Vote, said, Since 1979, I've been working on election integrity. Discovering that some electronic vote counting machines contain wireless modems, Wi-Fi antenna, and PC anywhere is unconscionable and repugnant to a fair election. Hackers from any advanced country can capitalize on these vulnerabilities. The proposed EO, if signed by President Trump, will make it clear that federal law requires that all records must be kept for 22 months pursuant to 52 U.S.C. 20701. This includes all digital ballot images. The proposed EO also requires that all digital ballot images be made available by county election clerks to the public. Kelly Z. Mordecai, a computer security consultant with Watch the Vote USA, stated, just one wireless connection in one precinct can flip the vote of an entire county. The only way to have honest elections is hand-marked paper ballots counted at the precinct, counted in public view before the ballots leave the precinct. For the present problem, citizens obtaining the digital ballot images of the ballots and performing a recount on their home computers is the best way to check the 2016 future elections. Bev Harris of Black Box Voting first called this the breaky method as it puts the brakes on election fraud. Watch the Vote USA hopes this executive order empowers the American people to do just that. <clears throat> so I'm going to skip some of this because it's on our website. Um, but that there's a recent ES&S 
who has communicated that in a, a letter to Senator Wyden that yes, they did put PC anywhere inside some of their vote counting machines. PC anywhere allows you to control another person's computer remotely. So yeah, that's uh, it's on our website, Watch the Vote USA, and there's some diagrams I would refer people to. Um, C1 and C2, those diagrams explain a thousand words of what's really going on inside these black boxes. So yeah, you can read the press release in full there. There are some highlights um, I touched on, but basically we're encouraging the American people to uh, go grab the digital ballot images with a FOIA request, count the vote on their home computers, and also send this proposed executive order to state governors, state secretaries of states, and the United States congressmen. So I would refer people to image C1 and C2 on our website, watchthevoteusa.com. And with that said, I want to bring in John Brakey, who I met at an election integrity conference back in 2016. He has been working on election integrity for years, unpaid, which tells you where his heart is. It's obviously he cares about the a proper vote. He um, it, it's coined the breaky method because he, he figured this out. So he's to me he's a breath of fresh air. He's an ally in having honest elections. So if he's there, let's just bring in John Breaky. Okay, he thank is you. on, and thank you very much, uh, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I am very good, thank you, and appreciate being on and trying to get the word out because that's what I do. I work for elections that are transparent trackable and publicly verified. I tell people that I used to be an election integrity activist, but I realized after about 12 years of doing it, the system had no integrity. So I decided to drop that title and become an ET, an election transparency activist, working for the solution. That's what I do. Well, don't you feel like it's part of it. sometimes when you explain this to people, like, are you from outer space? But I like ET. Well, I, yeah, I, I probably could. I mean, you know, uh, I've been doing it for a lot of years, and, and I always like to kind of start out with a story about you know, every elections administrator tells you that his system works really good because he runs a logic and accuracy test. And, you know, those logic and accuracy tests are like taking your car into an emissions place and having them test it to see if it's running well. Well, here's the rest of the story, as uh, Paul Harvey used to say. There was this company out of Germany, and they uh, became the world's largest car automaker because they built a computer that knew how to cheat. And every time it went into emissions, it changed the timing and did some other things to pass into the emission test. And in the United States, they sold 580,000 cars. And every one of those cars, when it went into the emissions, it passed the test. And then when it went on the road, it put out 40 to 80 times over the limit. Not 40%, not 80%, 40 to 80 times over the limit. They got caught after about 10 years of doing this, okay? And... What it turned out, they had to pay a $2.5 billion fine. They had to buy back most of the cars in the United States, cost them $25 billion. But the rest of the story even goes farther. They sold 11 million of these worldwide, most of them in Europe. They bought Audi. They bought Porsche. They started putting these motors in. General Motors was competing. They cheated too. 
and everybody in Europe building diesel cars, which is the number one vehicle, I guess, over there is diesel, they all built it the cheap. So Volkswagen became the largest car company in the world, and because of that in Europe, 72,000 people are dying prematurely every year because of the noxic gas that it puts out. Now, wouldn't it be awful so it, if that was happened to our so, election system? Oh, so what you're saying is Volkswagen used a computer programming trick so that when it knew it was being tested for emissions, it would pass the test, but once that computer was disconnected, it would be a gross polluter. Well, as soon as, yeah, as soon as it was disconnected, went on the road, it was, it was incredibly bad. And the only way that they could catch it is that they built the system to test it into the trunk of the car and tested it. It's just incredible. And they got away so with it. I mean, we're talking millions of times in this country it passed a mission test. Millions. Just a little like computer trick. when they say to us, that elections are good because they run an emission test on that too, a logic and accuracy. Does that make sense? Yeah, so they do a phony test with the machines and the poll workers. Oh, everything's fine. I got the little ticket here. Everything's fine. Yeah, well, it was a real test, and it passed because the computer knew how to change the settings, activate certain things, and it knew it was being tested. And we know for years that uh, – you know, like when they have a recount, they say it's a machine recount, and they say we know it's good because we ran a test. You can look at the overvotes and the undervotes, but everything else goes through the same machine. It's a risk. So with the Wisconsin recount that you were active in, did, did you lead that uh, recount or help quite a bit? Tell us about the recount in Wisconsin. Well, I took two teams up there, and uh, and I was on the Jill Stein team. And I took uh, uh, me and an attorney out of D.C. who happens to be one of the best election attorneys in the country, which I met after I sued the whole state of Arizona over our presidential preference election, which was an incredible joke. And by the way, you know what's really interesting? I'm kind of pleased here. I'm in D.C. right now working things, Washington, D.C. And in Arizona, they're reporting the story of what happened back in 2006 when I sued the whole state of Arizona because they rigged that one too, Okay. And uh, that was the presidential primary. But getting back to Wisconsin, what you asked about, I took two teams up there, and uh, and I after I realized how the recounts were being done, I focused on the counties that were not doing rec- uh, hand counts, which was about half the state, okay? And it happened to be the largest municipalities. It was uh, Milwaukee, Waukesha. Uh, you know, Madison did a hand count, did a good job. Uh, but as we were running around, I was shocked, absolutely shocked, that when I was in Milwaukee at about 10 o'clock at night, and I was, me and Chris were talking to the head of elections, and I heard this rumor sometime back, <coughs> excuse me, that ESNS, which is Election Systems and Software, on their DS series, which is digital scanned, uh, the 200, which is the precinct machine, the DS850 is your high-speed counter, well, the DS200, they had built into it a cellular phone modem, and it just, I couldn't believe it, and I said to the guy that uh, there, I said, listen, uh, when the results come in from the precinct, do you bring them in by a soft shoe network? That means two people bringing it in. Do you uh, bring it in by a phone modem, 
or do you have a SIM card built into the machine? And he said to me, we use the SIM card. And I looked at him and I said, thank you, because I was in shock. I didn't believe it. I could not believe that the EAC would certify of putting it up because I know from working with Fraction Magic, and I think you hopefully your team and people on the audience know Fraction Magic is a way of manipulating votes because you think you got a whole vote but it's really broken to 100. Well, I tell people, and I, and I work with, is that Fraction Magic, and I was on that team with Bev Harris and Benny Smith, can change the numbers on the fly, but it cannot change a hand-marked paper ballot that's tied to a ballot image. But damn it, I couldn't believe it. I found it in Milwaukee. I found it in Waukesha, and I found it in other counties. And then I filled an affidavit out. I uh, filed complaints with the government, but nothing ever happened of it. It's always kept very quiet. Then I do more work, and I'm working the East Coast, uh, looking at the primaries upcoming. This is back in March. Damn it. The whole state of Rhode Island is hooked up to the cellular phone modem. That is incredible, isn't it? Oh, it's mind-blowing. The uh, Motherboard News is an online news source, and they got a hold of a letter um, from ES&S that they confessed to putting PC Anywhere in vote counting machines. PC Anywhere allows me to run your computer from a remote access. Well, you need a modem if you're going to run PC Anywhere. And then uh, the reason why this was found out was Senator Wyden, from uh, a Democrat from Oregon, he performed a congressional inquiry and asked them, and ES&S wrote them and said, yeah, we put PC Anywhere in their machines. They tried to justify doing this by saying, well, well – it's an industry practice because you know other election system vendors like Dominion and Heart InterCivic also do this. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. So Terrible. yeah, you met with Wyden. You met with uh, Senator Wyden recently. Yeah, I did. I was a great meeting, and uh, I was very impressed with because uh, what the bill that they're proposing is exactly what we're proposing. And they're very much on top of it. And the man I met with is uh, uh, an incredible guy. Because, you know, once I read when Wyden came out and I read the language in the bill, it fit exactly what we're working to the T, okay? It's proposing that random, I'm sorry, risk-limiting audits are used to prove that the ballot images are real because like anything in an election, anything can be rigged. And when you have an original ballot and then you have the image, well, the original ballot is very hard to get to because it's unique and it's just one. But the machine doesn't count the original ballot. It makes a picture of that original ballot. And the minute that picture is made, it became a public record. And what's really sad about what's going on is that most people lie and say that they didn't turn that feature on and that uh, we didn't save it. But the reality is it's illegal to destroy it because it's in the document. And right now in this country, out of 50 states, 44 states have ballot images to a certain degree. 11 states are 100% digital producing images. The other 33 are between 6% to 85%. Eight states have nothing yet, okay? And that's for this cycle. And we estimate that probably 46% of every vote cast on a scanner, 
there's two types of scanners. There's optical and there's digital. Optical uses lights and bounces off this mark, and it tells if you had a vote or not. Leaves no evidence behind. The digital makes an exact copy front and back of the ballot. And you can use that once you're done with your audit. You need to go back and randomly pull so many original ballots and match them together to make sure that there was no hanky-panky. And if we do that, we've taken the impunity away from a hacker. The problem is we're hiding the images. They're saying they didn't turn them on. I hear, I've already done about 18 states, okay? And, and I'm, I'm pretty shocked by what I hear. I've had to sue three states already. I'm in negotiation with other three or four that I might sue, and I'm trying to wake up a larger audience because those are our records. In our country, if we don't fix this thing by 2020, we're in big trouble. If we don't have elections that are real, we are – because what's going to – there's three parts of election fraud I tell people. One is election fraud is real. The second thing they're doing is they're using the voter database. The new Jim Crow is built into the voter database, okay? You know, in 2002, they spent $2 billion making these databases match, and now they're micro-targeting us. They're psycho-targeting us. They're manipulating us. In primaries, you went in to vote. You're voting in a Republican primary or a Democratic primary because they know how you're going to vote. Because realistically, because of the data mining going in this country with Facebook, Google, credit cards, even the store you shop and buy through that, if you turn your mm-hmm. phone number off, they know who you are. And they're micro-targeting. And you might go to vote and find out that, you know, you're going to vote in a libertarian or democratic primary and you're something else. You can't vote in it. Those are the we games found in, Oh, lots of games. We found in our 2016 Watch the Vote survey, how was your experience? People showed up with their ballot and they weren't registered to vote. Well, then how, how can yeah. I have the sample ballot, ma'am? And other people, yeah. they were unregistered while the vote was getting counted. Then they got re-registered after. Other people, they were switched to vote by mail. All sorts of trickery in the registration. But I want to go into a little more depth about the the breaking method. So with these digital scanners, and um, it's it, by the way, it's watch the vote. You can see the image C2. It's so much easier to explain when you see the, the image. It is. It really is. So, so – yeah, so the, if you look at uh, – go to watch the vote, the presidential executive order, and then there's attachment C2. It's a diagram. So you look there, and what we have is a paper ballot going through a scanner. Then a digital image is made. The vote counting machine counts the digital ballot image. Now, that digital ballot image is kept on the scanner. It is public record. cannot be destroyed for 22 months after the election federal law. So That's right. what a person can do – is, hey, I want the digital ballot images. And, of course, you say that to an election clerk, they're going to look at you with deer in the headlights. Um, now, if they're real nice and they're really good, what they'll do is they'll hand over a DVD of the digital ballot images. You can take it home, put it up on your computer, big screen TV, whatever, and you can start counting. You only have to count 10% for a 90% statistical confidence level. Well, In 2016 you – know, Get them by precinct. That's very important because you're not talking that many. You know, typical precincts – you know, depending where you are, it could be anywhere between 800 to a, you know, 2,000 max, okay? And, uh, and what you wind up doing is it's a pretty simple process. You take your computer. We have a program that we can get to you that was built out of Wisconsin. You get some clickers, 
and you have four people, okay? And there's two people on each team. Let's say I'm counting for Joe Blow, and you're counting for Pete Prostorkis with your team. I see, and in about 30, and it'll be highlighted the race that we're counting. So I'm counting for Joe, you're counting for Pete, and there's two of us, me and my team, look at each other after 25 are done and say, how many do you have? 12? Yeah, I had 12 too. You guys, what did you have? I, we had 10, 10. I mean, the rest are undervotes or overvotes. Then you do the next 25. Very quickly, you can go through a lot of ballots. And what you're doing is, you're ta- if, if they know this, let's put it this way. I know hackers, okay? I've been doing this now. I'm going into my 15th year. They only steal if they have impunity. They know where to steal. You take away their impunity, they won't because they're afraid of getting caught. And so having systems like this, and we know eventually open source programs will be built when this uh, stuff is out, and then you could go ahead and program your computer eventually, and then what will happen is you take one ballot on a precinct, you fill out the form, and the computer will count it for you. Let's see if it matches their number because, you know, what did Einstein say? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is crazy. If you're going to use a program that has a built-in virus that cheats, it's going to add the same way every time, isn't it? Yeah, well, Humboldt County, California had a beautiful system where a bunch of citizens got together. They they, they spent $20,000 on a high-power, high-speed scanner, and then they worked with the election clerk, wonderful lady, talked to her. And so they brought it in to the election clerk's office when they were counting the vote. And so they let them scan all the ballots. And then from the digital memory, they provided a DVD that the public can get. So you could buy that DVD and do a recount in Humboldt County. Guess what happened in 2016? Yeah. Humboldt County was the county where Bernie Sanders creamed, utterly creamed Hillary Clinton because they couldn't cheat there. It was like 61, 61 to 31. It was like a huge 30-point right. spread. Unbelievable. Which I covered so all they, the California in that election. You know, I, I came out the Arizona, and you know, the California election probably was the biggest heist of them all. Okay, it was a stack, a strip, and a flip. Now I know that's a like. What does that mean? It means on the front end they stacked the vote. Hillary Clinton on election night in the first results reported reported like sixty four to sixty six percent that she won in the vote by mail. Okay, and that was called stacking because they in a lot of these large municipalities they use these pitney bow machines, and then they use the voter database, and pretty much they have three thousand points on every one of us, and they know how we're going to vote. How do they know that? Because you donate money, because you vote your candidate on Facebook or Google or uh, a lot of different ways, and so basically when your vote is mailed in and mailed in, they know. Gee, your signature doesn't look that good, and we'll count you at the very end. And by the way, we don't audit the last 34% of the vote in California. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I know know they said, well, we do a 1%. yeah, they did this. Well, we – I called an election clerk lady down in Fresno County. 1% of the first 60% of the votes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, it, and she said, well, we have some assurance. We do a 1% recount. That is not any statistical representation. I mean, well, when you, know, when you have a close race, you have to have – Yeah, but it's just like uh, – Of the first two-thirds of the vote. They don't check the last third. So that's where you stack. 
I know how you're going to vote. We'll send your vote to the end of the line where we can hack it. Yeah, Ray That's Lutz sued the county in, in, in uh, what was it, San Diego County that Ray Lutz sued over this yeah, one. He's an engineer. Yeah. yeah, he was suing. I'm like, this is a joke, guys. The 1%? Come on. You know, you randomly pick one. But it wasn't the 1%. It, was the, it wasn't the 1% that was the problem. They're not doing 1% of 100%. They're doing 1% right. of 63 or 64%. And if I know that and I'm a hacker, I will send the hack ballots end of the line. I can steal with impunity there. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's so hard to catch this. Well, I, I was at the uh, – I was a poll observer here in the California primaries in June, and we had two of the Dominion ice machines, and there was somebody I knew that, hey, hey watch. They just pulled that memory card out of one machine. Now watch. They're going to pull the other memory card out of the other machine, and she watched. And then and I gave her this diagram, which is, by the way, C1 on the website. Yeah. Did you realize with the modem – a virus can get into the machine and into that memory card. Well, what is what happens then? That memory card goes into the central tabulator, right. and in that central tabulator, that virus can upload and flip the vote, flip the results. I mean, th- this is exactly. black box voting. This unbelievable. The United States Supreme Court has made it clear that we have the right to know our vote was counted accurately. And what is going on inside these machines? I'm sorry, I'm starting to get a little upset, but I'm just glad. I'm, I'm just going to let John speak here because I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to rant for too long. <laughs> go ahead. No, you're doing good. You're doing good. Keep going on because you're nailing it right now. You bet. That's well, that's why. I, that, yeah, that's why I said in the press release, just one vote counting machine in one precinct can cause the with, with a modem inside of it. Okay, just one can flip the entire county results because it gets downloaded into the memory card that goes into the central tabulator. I, I mean, this is – how in the world and, – and, and, John, I like your quote in the press release about the incompetence of our election clerks. I'm going to read this quote that, that you let me put in the press release, okay? Yeah. You, you, yeah. Most county election officials have not the technical expertise to understand that they have been purchasing vulnerable electronic election counting machines. This occurs because officials are too dependent upon vote counting machine vendors. Sometimes it is to the vendor's advantage to keep officials stupid and dependent as hundreds of millions of dollars are at stake in vote counting machine sales and supposed ongoing maintenance. Yes. Good quote. It's an industry, isn't it? You got me right. That's right. It's incredible. It's uh you know, it's job security not letting them know. I mean, you know, I'm in uh, uh, filing records requests probably very quickly up in the state of Maine, and uh, in this one county, uh, municipality, they had the election for the ranked choice voting, and the clerk said, that one, Matt, that machine made images. She said, but this one, we turned it off. And I go, <laughs> oh, my God, don't you realize that these are digital scanners? And it can only work if it makes an image. I mean, how do you make a picture if you don't take a picture? <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, I, yeah, you, you have a camera with no film in it. I don't know. Digital scanner. I'm well, so well tell us. Well, so, so you have been pursuing through lawsuits and records requests to obtain the digital ballot images. Tell us about the uphill battle you've been having. Well, you know, it's uh, you know, I'm a specialist, and I consider, like, on a football team, special teams. Okay, that's what we do. 
And what I do, I go into a state, I investigate with my team, then we educate the people who are responsible by informing them that they, what these machines do. And then I expose to them the law. The law says that you cannot destroy these things, that they are a public record. And once I put you on notice on that, I ask you to save these things. And I point out the law to you. And then if you don't save them, uh, you're mandated to save these things, okay? That's the law. So then I use a mandamus, a special action called a writ of mandamus. And then I take them to court. And I say, my lawyers basically say to the judge, Your Honor, could you please order these people to follow the law? That's a mandate. <laughs> it's a special action. I think I broke it down pretty simple. It's a lot more than that. But basically, that's what it is. And it's a very good action. We are getting ready to do phase two hits because, you know, doing court is a very expensive thing. Well, well, doing can, can, I, can, I, add, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Can, can I? Why are they fighting you? I mean, if you if you want to cheat, you have to delete. Why are they fighting you? Why can't they just turn over the digital ballot images? I don't get this. Why are why is there even well, a fight? My, I have several lawyers, and and one of them, uh, Bill Reisner, who's a dear friend of my mentor, has framed it very well. They're protecting the right to cheat now or in some future election. That's wow. Why. If you want to cheat, you have to delete. Yeah, cheat now or in some future election. They don't want to leave evidence behind. They make, in some states, it's impossible to get at the the ballots, okay? California, hey, you want to do a recount in California? Hey, we'll pay for, you know, hey, uh, come in tomorrow, bring me a check for 10,000 and watch the dead work very slowly. And then we'll tell you at the end of the day, how big of a certified check you need to bring in tomorrow. Okay. Well, what's amazing and in contrast, the Humboldt County election clerk had no problem with that kind of transparency. Yeah. Bring your scanner in. We'll give you DVDs. There was yeah, no problem well, with know, her. Well, let me tell you about Maryland. Okay. You know, I don't want to paint a really negative picture all the time. I want to paint a positive picture. Uh, Maryland. Well, first off, you know, if I had to rate all the states and the states that I know real well, uh, in 10 being the best, I'd give Maryland an eight and a half, okay? And, uh, and you know, give them room to get better. Anyway, we got, uh, when I did their state, the survey, I went through everything and I go, oh, my God, this is incredible. They recognize ballot images. They have clear ballot out of uh, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, who has their own system, audits other systems. When they get done with the election, they have clear ballot come in, and they take all of the images, run them through their system independently, okay, and verify the election. And if there's a contest, just like Humboldt County, like that nice lady there said, hey, can I give you the images before you ask for the recount and you look at it, and then you tell me if you want to have a recount. Wow. What they do. Well, that's helpful. Isn't that beautiful? Is it, On a state yeah. level. Well, in, in okay. uh, 2016, in August, the Maryland legislature, I used to live in Maryland, so I kind of remember these things. In the 2016, August of 2016, the Maryland legislature 
said, these touch screens are required to have a paper backup. None of this touch, touch the screen, it goes into who knows where, maybe some yeah, vortex yeah. and it gets flipped. But Marilyn Lynch later got it right. They said, yeah, you'll have a, a printout backing up the touch screen. So that was a positive change. But it was a piece of crap. It really was. We fought those back in 2004 and five and six real hard. And we put our heart and soul into it, divided us because of that paper trail. Because we were trying to pass a bill, and I forget the congressman's name, out of New Jersey, Holt. It was Rush Holt. And, uh, and, we, and we, yeah, we got to, yeah, John, we got to, you know, some, some other callers on the line as well that may all want to chime in uh, on this and, this, of course, our other topics this evening. Uh, yeah. So when you're ready, we'll go ahead and uh, bring those in. We do have a number of callers in, uh, and I'll get to you as well with the uh, the call screening as are the green room. I don't like call screening. I don't like it being called that, but uh, we do have some other callers. So you guys want to bring some in, or you guys got some few other things you want to get out before I do that? It's up to you. It's up to you guys. Well, um, I, I did want to mention that the proposed executive order, if Trump does this, and again, Download it. Send it to your governors, your secretaries of state, and your congressmen. But we are encouraging uh, one of the points of the executive order that uh, should citizens discover that the digital ballot images have been deleted or a FOIA request is denied, then the um, executive, proposed executive order encourages citizens to contact the FBI for investigation and prosecution. So I'm hoping if Trump signs it, he gives it teeth. People are gra trying to grab the digital ballot images. Those who are deleting could be under prosecution by the FBI. So we'll see what Trump does. If not, let's see what the governors do. Absolutely. And, and where could he go and, and, and download that? Yeah, you can go right online. You can download it right there. We should have a PDF, PDF up soon. There's a press release, too, that hopefully is up there by now. So, yeah, we're asking people to get involved. Download it. Send it to your Give us the website again, Kelly. Yeah, my it's watchthevoteusa.com. Watchthevoteusa.com. It should be right there on our homepage. You can see the proposed executive order. You can see the diagrams of the problem and the solution and the breaking method. Uh, we're trying to get this out to the American people. And so let's go ahead. It's uh, a little bit past about my hour. You guys get some other folks in. They'll, I'm sure, chime on this and other things. But we also have uh, our guest uh, on the line as well. We'll bring in Mark Prasik. Uh He has some experience, I believe, as well, especially with computer stuff. I know uh, that you know, I'm sure he's got uh, some input there. And then we've got uh, Dr. Tolbert and others on. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, go ahead and bring in Mark. Uh, let's welcome Mark. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, that was very spirited and also very informative. Uh, Robert, and I, I am a computer programmer, and I've developed. You know, if I wanted to hack systems, um, I, I could do that. I, and I do find some of the things that have been shared uh, startling. I, I did one thing that was brought up that I wanted to 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 try to clarify. I find it hard to believe that they would take uh, you know on a touch screen and say it's got to the touch screen produces a paper result. Well, I think they've got the order backwards, okay? The way we do it here in, in our community in Florida is there's a paper ballot, okay, that you fill in the little dots, you know, color them in like the old uh, test we used to take in school. <clears throat> and the machine scans it. So, of course, it can be electronically counted in real time, 
But it is the paper ballots that ultimately get canvassed for the certify the certification of the vote. Another uh, so so you can't de- if you derive a paper result from a digital input, well that can be manipulated. But we well, need to count a, the paper. That's a good point too, right? But when you're I can write you a like program to, to do that. You know, I mean. Oh yeah. Well, Dr. Alan Deckard already wrote made a machine that would would do this. And mm-hmm. when you look at the paper printout, does this match what's on the screen? There you go. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it, but that, these so that's touch screens with, right? The touch screens with absolutely no paper backup. That is point blank frightening. That's that's crazy. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. But yeah. adding a once, paper result of well, one at a time. Very little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, here's it's here's very, my bottom line. Once once you turn a paper ballot into electrons, it is vulnerable to easy manipulation. It's ridiculous, and people are like, they don't get it because like, well, I voted on a paper ballot with a pen. Everything's fine. No, that paper ballot gets scanned and gets turned into electrons. It's certainly it's, faster, but it is vulnerable. The other yeah. thing that kind of I thought of is let let's I, you know I'm not one of these. Let's turn the clock back. But to this day, Brinks goes around with an armored truck, okay? Not one person, but two people come in, and two people from the company and two people from Brinks count the money separately. You know, I mean, come on. This is not rocket science. Um, But I think we do need to get back to a paper ballot basis. I don't mind the electronics in terms of getting – uh, you know, information out to the voters. Here's how. You know, but this is not the the certified result. The certified result would be based on the paper ballots being counted by humans and groups of humans. Nobody's acting alone. And while it's in transport, you've got groups of people. You know, it's no different than counting money in the church offering. I mean, come on. This is this is not hard. Right, but it. But the accountability is removed by the electronic election system. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's not just counting paper. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's so obvious to me. I programmed in five computer programming languages. I'm an engineer. It's like, you know, okay, so we go back to hand counted paper ballots. That's not good enough because somebody's going to take them in the back room. Okay, hand counted paper ballots, counted at the precinct in public view before they leave the precinct. Why are we taking yeah. ballots away from the precinct when? I mean, come on, guys. You don't count them. You just take them somewhere and flip. You know, you switch boxes. I mean, I also find it odd that we have to pass a law that you keep these electronic records for at least twenty-two months. How how much trouble is it to keep it for twenty-two decades? What's the big deal? You got why would they ever need to be deleted? I mean, what? uh, Come on, you can put them on a thumb drive for crying out loud. What's the big deal? I know, I know. It's not. Federal loss is twenty two months. Probably they're thinking paper, <laughs> right? So twenty right twenty two months keep the paper. How about twenty two years for the digital? Twenty two decades. Yeah. They're never. You know, there's. You know, why is there any need? What has been saved by deleting those records? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, but what has been lost? Well, the integrity, people's confidence in the vote. Because when you start deleting stuff, you know that that kind of smacks of uh, gee, you, you're trying to cover up something. Yeah, do you have some questions for John? I I I was just impressed, you know, John. Well, you know, I guess where's where's the funding coming from for all this? You know, he's mentioning lawyers and travel expense. You know, where's all? What's this cost and where's the money coming from? Uh, am I still on the line? Am I there? Yeah. Hello? Oh yeah, yeah I yeah. keep I keep the mics open. Uh, I have donors, and uh, I'll say that. And uh, 
and we don't pay ourselves very much. I can tell you that right now. There's nobody riding high. I've been doing this for 15, 14 years, and I didn't start getting paid but $2,000 a month about a, about a year ago. And I have a, a, a lady who knows me real well and really kind of put the money up, and she sees exactly what I've been doing for years and said, hey, stop working the other side job. Do this full time, and that's what I've done. Introduce me to my lady. I, I need to know her too. And by the way, <laughs> I do want to take us back to hand counting. I do want to get us back to precincts. I would like to get rid of the machines. If I had power, I would say that the Fed should run their own election and make it all hand counted. I'm for state rights. And let the state compete against that. How about that for a solution? There you go. Huh, interesting. Well, the, well, the yeah, Constitution makes clear race, that... What are you going to have? Three races? Right. That's it. Okay, we need to hand count everything. We really do. At the precinct. I missed the hanging chad. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Florida. <laughs> well, I do business. I watch Florida. I may be down in Florida pretty quick. Okay, I'm very close to what's happening in Broward County, Tim Canova. Okay, and I'm the one that Tim Canova contacted after the election. I ran the numbers and I could see that there was something really wrong. And in his election. Uh, you know, they just, what did they do? They destroyed the ballots. They destroyed the images illegally. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, she was pretty much ahead of the whole goddamn craziness that happened in the 2016 Democratic Party. Well, Real I remember the, uh, the Wasserman Schultz case. It went to court. They're trying to get the digital ballot images, and 22 months came, and they were in court. And the election clerk decided to delete the digital ballot images. And she claimed, well, federal law allows me to do so. destroyed the ballots. And the ballots. And the ballots, yes. The actual original ballots. And what happened? Hey, we've seen this happen before. In Ohio, they destroyed back in 2004. Out of 88 counties, 54 counties destroyed the ballots. Illegally. We know that was a heist. You know, what I do, I just want everybody to know, this is not about the right or left. It's about right, wrong, greed, and corruption that's running this country. Our vote doesn't really matter, okay? The reality is is that maybe Mark Twain was right over 100 years ago that when he said if elections made a difference, they wouldn't let us do it. And, you know, in the 2016 election, wow. 8 million Ouch. Americans did not vote. If not voting was a candidate that was a landslide. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, Mark Twain also said, uh, Paul, yeah, Mark Mark Twain also said, politicians and prostitutes, but I repeat myself. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, very enlightening, guys. Thanks for sharing, really. I, I enjoyed that. Well, yeah, we're we're asking people, I, I, I know I'm being redundant here, but we can't do this alone. We're asking people, Download it, read it, send it, send it to your congressman, your governor, your secretary of state, candidates for secretary of state. We have two in California because we have a runoff system here. And so I think Mark Miser is his name, if I pronounce it right. I'm going to send a copy to him. Hopefully he'll get, you know, he'll he'll make a point out of it. If we have new people coming in who are computer aware, okay, then they might really start thinking about this. And proper computer security protocols. 
for example, in the, in the grand jury of Santa Cruz County found that the election clerk was taking the results on a USB thumb drive from the center tabulator. Then she'd go to a computer that's online. Well, she took that same stick and would go back to the central tabulator. The grand jury said, don't do that. Use a fresh one-way USB thumb drive when you want to update the results throughout the night. I mean, that's a simple computer security protocol. Are these people trained in computer security protocol? You know, I, we have an election clerk here in Siskiyou County, California, wonderful, awesome, honest lady, great. She looks at me like a deer in a headlight. When she had precincts that didn't get their mail-in ballots, I asked her, hey, I saw this in the paper. What do you think about it? Oh, it's just a snafu. How did you get it to uh, – how does this work? How, how, do, how do they get the, your uh, mail-in ballot? She says, well, we send a list to the vendor, and then the vendor, vendor sends the, the, the vote-by-mail ballots out. Okay. So did you mail a DVD? No, I sent it over the Internet. Do you think there might have been some kind of problem somewhere? Oh, no, just a snafu. They get a letter from the OVSTA, which is an office of Secretary of State that's supposed to oversee all this stuff in California, and they keep getting these letters. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You're an ET from another planet. Yes, I'm an election transparency activist. I'm tired of the ignorance. Love her dearly in the sense of her honesty and hard work, but she has no clue because she doesn't understand computers. Frustrating. Yeah, I used to use the term snafu uh, in places including church until I found out what it meant. <laughs> what does it mean? Tell me, please. Situation say normal. That, yeah, I guess. All effed up. We got a couple other. Uh, we got a couple other folks on the line. I know there's a, a 904 still out there listening. Uh, I know you. Uh, Pushed one to chime in. You know, it's still plenty of time. Two hours, two hours left. Even two hours, ten minutes left. Uh, so if you'd like to call back in, that's fine. But we also have Dr. Tolbert and uh, Joe on who uh, want to uh, add on to this part of the discussion. I do want to move over to our other topic uh, about Twitter. That's uh, what Mark's coming on to talk more about as well. I know you got a lot of uh, experience there, especially with the Patriot Journalist Network. Want to hear more about that? Uh, but let's get some comments from Dr. Tolbert and Joe, and then. Uh, We'll uh, go over to our to our Twitter censorship discussion, uh, but let's go ahead and close uh, this topic out uh, for the next uh, ten minutes. There, starting with you, Dr. Tolbert, and then Joe, and then we'll move uh, forward. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Tolbert. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you? Thank you. And just to bring everybody's attention, I'm running for the U.S. Senate in Florida as a no party candidate, and I ran for the governor of Florida in 2014. In 2014, Fox News had me at 14%, and I had 60,000 signed petitions. I went to 200 meetings, and uh, Scott was behind by 3%. He had to win by one. Him and Chris meet. Uh, Scott ends up pulling the ballots. I end up with 86 votes, so that's the start of it. Number two, Sawyer's owns uh, the voting machines in 16 states, and Romney owns at least the number of eight states to include his son. And these machines were originally manufactured under voting fraud in Venezuela, which got the new, uh, the renewal of the president of Venezuela reelected. So everybody's talking about an issue with not bringing up the real issue, and that's Bill Gates, GE, George Sawyers, Romney, and why is the voting fraud not the actual 
state issue, but it's on a higher level that is not being addressed, that all these machines are malfunctioning with the intention of changing the results of the election to include Rubio, who was reelected without even going to a meeting, without even being present at the uh, Senate for 90% of his time. Uh, he made no presentations when I ran against him in 2016. And yet they say he pulled the majority without anybody even knowing who he was running against. And it's the same thing right now. We now have what we call election fraud. You cannot make a meeting, and, and I run it, I'm a pastor, retired military. It's called calledtoduty.org. And I don't pay to put my name on the ballot, but you have a candidate that did $200, 000, $200 million in fraud rerunning under the uh, invalid federal law and nobody gives consideration, you cannot be in office and run for another office. So there's more to this election fraud that's being presented. You guys are covering all the things about the malfunction of the software and everything else, but let's get into the ownership of the equipment, who's manufacturing, how Bill Gates is fitting into it, where the machines are coming from, and why is the federal government allowing a federal election to be handled the way it is. So there's a question for you guys. Yeah, we we well, already you know, knew a lot that's of real stuff, good questions. But yeah, I we we you know how 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 do we get the grassroots from A to B and then C is yeah we've got some serious George Soros uh, Soros however you pronounce him you know others playing these games you know the Romulan I'm sorry that slipped out the, the Romney family the Romulans okay. Um, we know this stuff. I mean, it is very deep, dark, and clandestine. And if the American people understood how problematic it is, um, their heart may not be able to believe it, or option two, there'd be riots in the streets. So some of the stuff, deeper stuff, is very hard. Maybe to we handle. need that. <laughs> the other side seems Maybe to be so good at rioting. <laughs> well, I mean, this but is if, some very we riot, we're right, stuff. white supremacists. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, this is very wicked, hard stuff for people to believe. You know, county election clerk, I'm here's something, here's something, here's something. She looks at me like deer to headlight. One time I got to her, and she had a paradigm shift. I mean, there's times I've woken up in the morning, I'm like, why in the world am I even voting? It's, it's you know, yeah, you've had that experience, John? Well, I have many times because, you know, I live elections all over the country, and I see it over and over again. The uh, how people are manipulated, that information is misgiven. They teach them Orwellian language like voter fraud, like the voters are doing it. When it's really insiders, most fraud is done by insiders. 95% of all fraud is done by insiders. Even this Russian thing, I have a hard time putting my arm around, but I don't know. I see what's done. I just, and I'm a conspiracy factualist. I just can't tell you who's doing it. I just see what's happening. Well, what's mind-blowing to me when they keep saying Russia, 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 it sounds like the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Look, yeah. when there is a crime that occurred, you don't focus on one person. Your best friend is murdered. You list 10, 15 people, and you go down the list and cross out 
the the people you don't just focus on one country. It could be a whiz kid in St. Louis, Missouri. Why are we stuck yeah. on the Russians? Could it be because Middle Eastern? It could this, be the Chinese. That's how they manipulate it. And they blame people who cannot defend themselves or are not here. That's our history. False flags. Uh, misdirection. Well, that's why. Let's that's why they indicted twenty three Russians that they're never going to be able to get to. <laughs> yeah, and so the real thing is this right here. As you just declared yourself, we all need to declare ourselves for the solution. And all of the other bull that they feed us with their misinformation, transparency is the solution. We must work for that and demand our rights to oversee our government and get at these records that are ours. And that's why they're destroying them. Like I said, they're protecting the right to cheat now or in some future election. They do not want to leave evidence behind. The old system of optical scanners was a light bouncing off a piece of paper, and it left no evidence behind. We have a blessing that happened to us, digital. But the digital must be a way of using risk limiting audits to go back to the original paper, and it must be hand-marked, not machine-marked. They are proposing systems in Florida to take us backwards. Governor Christie took us to in Florida to optical scanners and hand-marked paper ballots. They would like to take you to the new DRE that marked the ballot for you. I call them four to five thousand dollar pencils is what they are. And if they come in, it's a disaster. And that's uh, we got uh, Joe uh, on the line. We also have Jim Cotter Jr. Speaking of him. Uh, we will get on the line, and then after that, we're going to move over uh, to our uh, Twitter discussion. But let's go ahead and bring in Joe. Uh, thank you very much, Joe, for coming to the show. <laughs> Ryan, uh, how are you? How are you guys doing? All right, here's my uh, here's my thoughts on the ballot. I like the um, the merging of the um, electronic gauge with the paper ballot. What I've been thinking of is that instead of having a single page slim little ballot that you slide through a computer screen or you're giving to some technician over at the um, at the, at the um, voting place, you have um, the ballot, but also it comes with a receipt. And uh, somebody, I think John was mentioning hand-marking it. You hand-mark it, and on the ballot you have the, your particular candidates also write in. You mark it off or you can write in your particular choice. Let's say it's Trump, Republican, etc. You slide it through the scanner, but now you get a receipt, and the other part, the part that's been scanned, goes up on the web so that everybody can see, um, if you want, what, um, you know, plus every, every receipt has a, um, a special number, a number that's supposed to be in chronological order. So uh, nobody can see that who you are, but they can see that you voted Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, etc., and the number is um, assigned to you. The number's up there on the web, and they count the um, the the um, the number of um, ballots that are up on the web. And um, I think there's a close proximity there uh, for checking out the electronic ballot, the electronic voting, and uh, we have the paper balloting. I'm um, also done, which can be reviewed 
on the ground, as it were, by auditors. And you can have uh, check it up, check both, using the web, using the number on the ballot, seeing the optical value of the ballot on the web. And I think that um, that might help. That might help. Oregon has a system like that where you can keep your number, look it up online. Oh, there's your ballot right there. Is your market. There you go. That has no evidence that your vote was counted accurately or your vote was thrown to the uh, the uh, other candidate. There's no way to know your vote was counted accurately. Yes, it's on the screen. Yes, there it is. And so you'd have to get, like, maybe all the people, 10% of the people in the precinct, look up your numbers and let's see what a statistical uh, indication would be. But, I mean, yeah, that's well, nice that, that they that display we get it, it, but there's no there's no assurance that they actually still count it, even though you can see well, your no assurance ballot anything. on screen. Yeah, it's true, but there's no assurance that the people who are going to count the paper ballots once they take them back to the back room are going to be counted because there are instances of boxes of um, a vote haven't been thrown out. But at least you've got some kind of transparency. Um, you have a receipt. The receipt's up on the web. Um and you can check and do a um, mix and match, or just check out and compare the um, the number of votes that are that have been presented on the web with the number of votes that have been counted by uh, by somebody manually. And hopefully, there won't be that much of a uh, discrepancy. There shouldn't be any discrepancy. Right. Well, it would be nice if they put the vote the ballots up on the on the web, so you can see all the ballots of your precinct. The numbers, okay, you can't identify anybody. No, I'm talking about the ballots, too. The ballots, as I said, you write it in, and they actually have the optical image of the ballots. You put it up on the web, and you have that number, which is specific to you, so you know it is you that voted Republican or Libertarian, et cetera. It would be nice if they put all the ballots on the web for the public. The argument is that that could lead to vote selling. And, and, you know, I, I like what you're saying. I've heard this argument, and, and you know, there's got to be a way that we can verify our own vote. And I always tell people, you know, hey, if your state has a vote by mail, then what the heck are you worried about, okay? The vote buyer can come by your house, pick up your ballot, and he can fill it out for you. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't like vote by mail, by the way. And uh, But, yes, you know, there are different ways we can do this. But really, to me, we need to get back to a precinct. We all vote the same day, hopefully on a Saturday or a Sunday, and that we make it a celebration of our democracy. We have smaller elections with less candidates, less confusion, shorter dates, and make it all public. That's the really, to me, the solution. And what I'm working for is to get us there someday. I don't know. I'm 64 years old. I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to do it. I don't know if my sons are going to finish it, my daughter. All I know is we're committed to making democracy work because it's the best thing that we got other than anything else that we tried. And it's a problem in this country. Bad. In the last, in the last call, we're going to uh, take uh, on this topic and move over to our Twitter discussion is uh, none other than Jim Connor Jr. himself. Uh, we want to thank him very much for coming to the show. How are you, sir? It's good. Great to hear from you, uh, uh, Jim. It's been a long time. Hey, uh, thanks, uh, uh, and thanks to Kelly for alerting me. Unfortunately, my sleep schedule stuff that I is such that I fell asleep a few hours ago and just woke up. But I would have been, if I would have not been that, I would have been on to hear John Brakey the whole time. And uh, I like um, I, I, a lot of the comments I've heard since I've been on for five minutes are 
are in the right direction. I, I want to say one thing, and then I want to ask uh, I have John a question, John Brakey a question, which you probably already covered. But uh, And if you did, then you don't have to answer it. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the Colliers, when I'm hooked up with Jim and Ken Collier, who wrote in 1992, Vote Scam, This Feeling of America, we hooked up in 1985. Uh, even though they were left-wingers in many respects, they uh, were made famous in the right wing by the Spotlight, which was a right-wing paper back then, now became American Free Press, uh, thanks to Mike Piper. Uh, Willis Carter, the publisher, was not going to publish him, and Piper said he was a, he's an author, and he, he was you know conservative and worse, but he said, he said, let's, let's, this is, we got to put this out. Well, the Kyers and myself had already concluded that the only way to do this uh, right was to have hand counted, hand marked, as John said a minute ago, hand paper, hand counted, hand marked paper valves counted at the precinct um, and before the ballots left the public view. Now, with technology, we could do all the things everybody said. We could, but but the first step is that hand counted paper ballot, and as I think John just said, has to be same day voting. This this early voting, this mail in voting, is only since the 90s made by crooks for crooks. It should be a national holiday. The next day should be a national holiday, so the counters, if it goes into the night, you know, don't have to get up the next day. Uh, everyone should be paid really well. You need new people at 7 p.m. Right now, the crooks all over the place and the brain dead, the, the local election officials, act like it's impossible. You couldn't possibly count the ballots by hand. Well, in the middle of the Bush-Gore uh, debacle, which may have been somewhat deliberate by the powers that be back in 19 uh, uh, in 2000, I got to get into the right centuries. Still, in 2000, that was a 45-day process. It went from November 7th, I think, to December 12th when they declared Bush the winner, which was obvious from the press, going back months before the election, that the powers that be were going to get Bush in one way or the other. And I, I would divert to go into that, but I predicted on the web months in advance that Bush would be the 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 uh, president and now we I because of 9/11 all that I think now and the wars I think now we know why uh, uh but at any rate uh, uh and, and as somebody said when Bush came in PNAC became the United States government project for the new american century yep. became the United States government when Bush came in and he was uh, as world leaders go dumb enough that they he just did whatever they told him Gore may have too but they just didn't have it set up for him I guess but anyway point is in the middle of that December 28th Canada had a hand they, they still count paper ballots hand marked counted at the precinct if anybody takes the ballot out of sight the precinct has to be done over that happened in one precinct up there that night, December 28, 2000, when one crazy man came in, pulled the ballot box out, ran and threw it in the creek in the freezing cold, and they did that precinct over. So they did it in four hours. While we were taking 45 days with computers, they, they went ahead and did it in four hours. Yes, they only have one-sixth of the uh, people that we do in the United States. They had 16 million voters that night. I think we had 100 million for Bush Gore. and But we could just have six times as many people. And they get paid, uh, you know, well. I don't care if we lose uh, $2 billion that night. It would probably take about a half a billion 
for each May primary and or whatever spring primary in November. But if it took ten billion, that's a, a fraction of our uh, uh, our national budget. And the people elected determine whether we go to war. They determine what happens with the police and the war, and every almost there are so many other things in our lives. So this is number one priority, as, as everyone on this call does. So at any rate, it can be done, but. I my hats off uh, to John Brakey uh, for coming up with this digi- and learning about and pushing this digital ballot thing because the minute they're counted, the minute they're counted by hand, phase one, three seconds later, each ballot can be scanned, thrown up on the internet for everybody to count. There'd be two hundred fifty thousand websites for two hundred fifty thousand precincts, no big deal. Anybody could come in from their home to any uh, precinct and count the the, the scans. And somebody at the precinct then would be there, several people, to make sure that that ballot was exactly what was scanned, so there's no trickery in the software. And you could be filming the uh, the precinct from afar all day to make sure nobody touches that ballot box, and, and they're dumped out right on the spot. And you could be filming above each team of two counters called scrutineers in Canada uh, from the ceiling, and everybody could watch the thing real time like a Lionel Nation or a Debbie LeSignon, uh, same progressive uh, uh, Facebook every day. And then that that would go up on Facebook Live and then would go up on Facebook forever. So the technology can complement uh, uh, the, 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 the hand-counted paper ballots. But I'm with the Kyers, always have been before I knew them, that we got to have paper ballots counted by hand, marked by hand, before anything else happens to those ballots. Got to be same-day voting. Tucker Carlson has called for this. He, he with uh, Felipe Reigns on his show, uh, few, about a month or two ago, said, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're on, if we're up for, pay, if we're worried about the Russians or anybody else, he said, I don't buy the thing Tucker said, and I don't either, any more than any other other election. But, but uh, he said, if if we're, we're worried about, uh, you know, uh, 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 the, the Russians or anybody else, let's go back to paper ballots only. He said that on May 24th." And Felipe Reigns, yep. who was a Hillary advisor, said, oh, no, oh, no, we can't go to paper ballots only. And Tucker said, why not? You know, and they moved on. And then another night, Tucker, and I think somebody else recently, said we've got to have same-day voting, and you have to have a really good excuse to vote absentee. I would demand right. a, a, an entire uh, unit who would be to verify that somebody is really sick if they need to vote absentee, a doctor's note, and verify and visit them and but and then and that, yeah, that might cost a lot of money. But then the absentee ballots would not be in danger of ruining the real voters. You know, the people that actually deserve to vote if they were fake. When I first ran for city council in 1979, I know that seems like a lifetime ago, and it was. <laughs> but I looked up on election day when we were challenging all these corrupt people from Democrat, Republican, and Charter Party in Cincinnati. We had three parties. Charter Party might have been called the Rich Persons Party in Cincinnati. But I looked up on election night and said, before they started counting the votes by the computer, there were 7,000 absentee votes for most of these uh, uh, incumbents. And I'm thinking, are the, those ballots real or were they 7,000? We start out 7,000 down to all these, you know, to, to several of these key incumbents. Maybe they just got a lot. You, you get my drift. So, okay, so that's what I would propose. And, and they. This early voting and all this stuff is made by crooks, for crooks. Whenever the ballots disappear throughout the last 6,000 years of recorded history, the crooks want to take the ballots out of your sight so that they can cheat. Or as Kelly said regarding the ballot images, 
uh, that John Brady's working so admirably and hard on. It's Kelly Mordecai made up the phrase, which is brilliant. Uh, if you want to cheat, you must delete, you know, playing off the uh, OJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's that simple. Yeah. Hey, and, Jim, and, I, 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 got a, I, I got a question for you, Jim. Yeah, but I, um, but don't, first, don't divert me too much from my question for John Brady. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah let me, go let me well, just jump uh, in here. Okay, if, if I could. All I well, can say yeah, is, me, Jim, you're a brother ahead, from a different mother. Everything you said is right on. Okay, uh-huh. and it is about getting to the original paper. The images are very important to us because they're a yes. public record. But it yes. will take us back to the originals. Anything can be gamed. I'm about getting what you just said. Back to the basics. Hand yeah. paper, hand marked paper ballots, paper in pencil, hand counting. Community. Yes. Uh, and, what yeah. we do, oh, yeah. we can agree on one thing. I'm on the left, you're on the right, and this is not about the left or right. It's about right, wrong, greed, and corruption, and manipulation. That's uh, listen, what it's I about. I endorse that a, a thousand percent, and the Kyers, if they were here... We never argued once. Jim Collier and Ken Collier and I, for 13 years before Jim, uh, Ken died in 1993 after he wrote the book, he was the main writer. Uh, Jim was the more of the eloquent speaker. Jim died in 1998. We never argued once. Why? Because we only talked about uh, computer vote fraud and, and honest elections. And both of yeah. us were in it. I mean, I, have, I will say this jokingly. If we're not going to do democracy... I'll pick all the, the public officials. If we're going to have a dictator, I'll do it. I'll volunteer to do it. But if we're, <laughs> yeah, if love we all want to do that. Yeah, right, exactly. But if, if we're going to have elections, we've got to have the right count. This is a, a, a secular sacrilege to not have yeah. the right count. And what John said, John Brakey just said, the celebration of the democracy and human effort, that's what this should be. The Collier said every... Uh, precinct should list, uh, you know, I'm for ha- uh, randomly picking people from like a jury pool of volunteer. And if we don't have enough volunteers, we got to pick them like a jury pool. They get paid. Yep. But but he was for leaving one place in every precinct for a high school senior, or a college student that would be picked mm-hmm. from that body of people to teach the next generation how the system should work, you know. So but I agree 100%. John, before I – I'm sorry to filibuster so much, but I did want to get all that in. John, I yeah. want to ask this. If you've already covered this, then uh, Kelly can uh, – somebody can fill me in later. Uh, you recently made a correction to the press release that Watch the Vote wanted to send out regarding contract. And, Kelly, i got to embarrassingly say I haven't even looked at that yet. But, John, if you could just stress in a minute or two what that correction was, and, and I, we had had the impression. Well, it, the, yeah, I can. It wasn't a contract. It was on their Internet site, and it laid out the fact that the EAC certified that these phone modems could be put in, and I was just shocked. That was, <laughs> oh, can, I, can I say that that is a bombshell fine? It should disturb every person who does, yeah. who's got two brain cells to rub together in the world. I want to, in case you're not aware of this, on votefraud.org, which is uh, one of our sites, our site that traces back to 1996, although the name changed for reasons not worth getting into. Votefraud.org, there's an article down the right-hand column linked called uh, Pandora's Box, 
Did It Really Count Your Vote by Dr. Philip O'Halloran. He's a Detroit emergency room physician, and he did about 12 issues on different subjects. One of them was vote fraud after he uh, – he, anyway, he did it after we talked. And met but if I could just up. interject here, it's yeah. not it, vote it, fraud. It, yeah. Election well, fraud. So think uh, this way. Right. The voters are doing fine. It right. is a right. vendor. It's an insider. Ninety-five percent all fraud in this country is done by insiders. This is Thank the Orwellian you. language that they try to divide us with. Okay, we yep. all have to become not election integrity activists, but transparency activists. Work towards the solution. Don't fall for their games about the right and the left. We yeah, all want our votes, honestly. I, I, yeah, I want to I, I close, I close well, well, out this if well, I can. Yeah, close it out, and then and we'll definitely have uh, all of you on again for this topic. Yeah. Uh, and I, and you know, of course, we're all, and we're all real quick, and, you know, you're welcome to stay on for the remainder of the show to go uh, talk about. We are going to um, – and uh, we had John on the line. Hopefully he's out there still listening. We are going to talk about, you know, of course, the possible Manafort – uh, pardon. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about that this evening. Of course, we're going to get to Twitter uh, after these. Uh, you close out, Kelly. Uh, but uh, and, and you know, Kelly, Kelly, we are going to hit talk more about that. But go ahead, close out, Kelly. And then we're going to get to our, our Twitter. And again, let's definitely have uh, all you guys on again for this topic, especially with uh, the importance of this 2018 midterm election. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, and Robert, let me thank yeah, John so for correcting so, me. Let me thank John for correcting me on that language. I fell into it again. That's absolutely correct. We want to say election, election fraud. fraud. Yeah. Kelly, go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, I did want to close by a statement and a, a quick question. Um, if Trump signs the executive order that Watch the Vote has proposed, the American people can grab <clears throat> the 2016 presidential election, okay, and they can do their own recount and find out if Hillary did or did not get the popular vote. Or something weird. So that, but the next, the simple question for Jim, Jim Condit and John Brakey is this. Well, you've been at this, Jim, since 79. John, you've been at it for 15 plus years. Are you seeing public awareness increase lately? Usually. It's incredible. The Russian thing has been good for us. It may be a false narrative, but people are waking up. Our system is vulnerable, and we've been. And Jim has been saying it longer than I have, and uh, and I've been saying it for 15 years. It's been a real blessing that we've turned into conspiracy factualists from conspiracy theorists, <laughs> right, Jim? Well, that's right. And you know, I'm just a, a tech dunce. Okay, all I knew and all I know today is that that we can't let them take the ballots out of sight before they're counted. But I thank God for Bev Harris and John Brakey, all these virtual compared to me geniuses on tech because they have made it to where the average uh, person who's awake, which may be 15, 20%, maybe 50%. Thanks to the internet. It is witnesses everywhere. And what'd you say? That's a tipping point. Yeah. That's going to make a tipping point. point. And and I believe, you know, I, uh, John may or not be, be be or not be aware of this. I like to brag about this because it's one of the few bright spots in the last 40 years. When I came face-to-face with Trump in Iowa and handed him the paper and talked to him for 40 seconds and said, you've got to protect yourself from computer vote fraud, I did that. Do I want to be joined at the hip with Trump? No. I did that because I thought Trump was the one guy who had a big enough ego that he wanted to win. 
and he might bring it up. And sure enough, I was working with somebody in his outer circle. Four months later, he started saying every uh, speech, I'm afraid they're going to rig the election against me. And on October 26th, he tweeted out uh, to every to 17 million people that the computers were changing votes to Trump to Hillary, which hit news, local news in uh, Austin and in Colorado and Maryland and Colorado. And then Hillary said it 12 days later, she said, I'm afraid the Russians are going to hack my, the election against me on August 12th. And I said, well, thank God everybody's talking about computer fraud. But Trump brought it up consistently. I've gone into that before in this call. I'd like to think that was the thing that made him nervous. He was going to, But since he brought that up, they have helped us, as John Brakey just said, with a Russian narrative, even though I believe it's false. They, they, and here's what they say, and then I'm going to shut up because Robert's got to get on to something else. Here's what they say, and it kills me. And Pence said it today. I, Pence is no good. Let me say that. If, if Trump goes down, and Trump may have already made, already made his deal with these three companies, ESNS, Hart, that's what worries me about Trump, is he might have made his deal with them already. That worries me more than anything else about him. But Pence today said this, and Pence said this. That's what he said. He said, the Russians meddled in our election. Meddled, a nice word that means nothing. Meddled in our elections. And then in the next breath, he said, but no votes were changed. Hey, <laughs> how do you know no votes were traded? But they got to say that. And all the dunces like Pence repeat it from their background advisors because the last thing they want the American people to think is that somebody in this country, like at ESNS, Heart and Dominion, with a military intelligence behind them, the last thing they want anybody to think is, hey, our votes can be changed in the computer. So they got to say, the Russians meddled. It's the worst thing since, since everything. It's the worst thing since since, uh, you know, Pearl yep. Harbor, since 9-11. But no votes were changed. Okay, I'm going to shut up, Robert. Thanks again for having a great show by having John Brakey on here. And, and oh, I appreciate it. Again, you, 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 you are welcome back, and you're all welcome to stay on for the, the next segments uh, and the, those discussions. And we do have – uh, I just want to give my contact information and uh, let it go. My, my, you can find me on Facebook. It's John Roberts Brakey. The name of my organization you can find on the net is Audit, A-U-D-I-T, Elections with an S, USA.org. Track what we're doing. We are about the solution. It's about cutting through all the bull and getting right to it and putting this country back on track before the 2020 census. You know, we fight about all these other things we're talking about. The only thing we didn't talk about how serious a problem are we are gerrymandered. It's terrible. And there's three things we fight. We need to get hip. We need to get informed and take our country back. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, th- thank you very Thanks, much. Robert. That was a good uh, segue, too. Oh, you're welcome. That's a good segue, bringing up Twitter. Twitter. We do have Jim, another Jim on the line. But, Jim, uh, hold tight. We will get you into the show. There's still plenty of time. Uh, we will get you in, but I do want to bring it back to uh, what's going on uh, with Twitter. And uh, in my mind, I can't think of anyone better uh, to have that discussion uh, with us. Uh, to kind of spearhead that is with our uh, next guest here. That's uh, Mark Prasik, founder of the Patriot Journalist Network. Uh, and so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Mark. Uh, thank you very much uh, for chiming in on our other topic and then staying for this one. And so, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, your experiences with Twitter. I know we're, you know, it actually has been making some of the, 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 the more national news now. Finally, I think it's been a, been a long time, but uh, I think it's starting to. And uh, we know fa- Facebook, I mean, has been affected too. But uh, of course, now they're even starting to talk about Twitter. 
and, and it's interesting when Palin was using it, didn't really ring its ugly head. I think she really actually started uh, Twitter to be as, a, as you know as big as it has now. Because she remember when she was made fun of for using Twitter so much. Now all the politicians, uh, including Trump, seem to be doing it. But of course now there doesn't seem to be as much trying to hush up conservative uh, uh, thoughts and, and talking uh, as of course there is now. Uh, but as I said, you got a lot of experience with that, Mark. Well, Robert, I, I, I'm glad that we, we've got a very good segue here. Uh, and, and in trying to, to present this, let me just say before we get started, the branches lead everywhere, and yet they lead nowhere. But let me, let me talk – since the topic kind of ended on this Russian concept that the Russians were, quote, meddling or interfering, I have problems. Uh, with the entire narrative, I can't believe that this narrative has actually gained any attention nationally, okay? Because the whole subject matter of this radio broadcast up to this point has been focused on actual meddling with an election, actually manipulating the votes. Now, there's other forms of meddling. Gerrymandering comes to mind, but that one that, – that, that needs to be kept for another show. But think of this um, – when you say interfering or meddling, these are the images I get of literally hacking into the machines, changing votes, you know, electronic stuff, high-tech stuff. Uh, but you, there's other forms of intimidation at the, at the voting places. Um, there are certain um, regions that you could predict are going to vote conservatively or uh, lib- you know, liberally – Left or right, let's say it that way. Well, you know, hey, let's fall a few trees across the roads to the polling places. Let's make some people, you know, I mean, this is these are examples of what I call meddling. But that's not what the national narrative is about right now. Meddling, interfering, uh, sowing discord into the American electric system. Uh, the substance of that is, oh, somebody sent out a tweet. Somebody tweeted. And that that's some that that is a real insult to the American electorate. Oh, I, I assume that there are operatives in in our in hostile countries to the United States that are going to tweet propaganda. I assume that. You know, I also assume we're sending out some of our own. I I think that's fair play, but it's interesting that it came up because. In this complex web that I'm going to try to conceptualize, uh, I will fail. I'll tell you right now. What really started this, in my opinion, was this Russian bot narrative. Uh, whether they're bots or, or real human operatives, but 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 Twitter, and I, I'm going to leave Facebook and other social media out of it. I may touch on YouTube. Um, began buying into this narrative, and, and they began feeling political pressure or public pressure to weed out the bots. Now, Twitter is particularly um, easily penetrated by automation through their API. Um, it was also brought up earlier about the Bill Gates connection with some of this corruption. Uh, let me remind you that all of my problems started last year when a study was conducted by the University of Pennsylvania. And the purpose of this academic research was to to 
find out, do research, and illustrate what effect social media had in the common core of political debate on Twitter. Well, I was actually contacted by someone identifying himself. I, I have his name. I have his number. I can tell you exactly when he called me. Uh, and he contacted me because I guess if you looked on Twitter and Common Core, the PJNet hashtag seemed to appear with some regularity. So he connected the dots. And, and since our website uh, has our, our phone number, uh, he called me. Now, let me stop there. If I were a bot, I, I wouldn't have a website publishing my phone number. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know how to do this kind of thing, but that's not how you do it. Um, and I walked him through. Here's what we do and how we do it. That that no tweet, you know, goes out without a human hand indicating and requesting that our app dispatch it on their behalf. Now, do we recommend some content? Well, yeah, of course. Hold, hold on a second, uh, real quick. Uh, Mark, there's some background noise or something. I don't know if someone's in the kitchen or something. If you can uh, mute the mics, if you got, if you're doing something noisy, please do so. Um, it's a little bit of a distraction. Go ahead, uh, Mark. Well, anyway, so the the report comes out, and it it is rather voluminous, as most uh, university research reports go. But about 25% of that report was dedicated solely to PJNet and its impact on the Common Core debate on Twitter. And it was it was not portrayed truthfully. It was portrayed that that we are a botnet. Well, that that's categorically false, patently false. And so I don't know what the guy did with what I told him, but it never made its way into its report. As it turns out, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was the primary uh, funding source for that research. Yeah, suddenly. Uh, it starts getting published in the HuffPo, Washington Post. Uh, you know, it began to get national press. I was literally uh, contacted by the equivalent of the BBC or NPR uh, in Japan, and they literally flew people here to do an interview. Well, coincidentally, shortly after that, the PJNet Twitter app was suspended for reasons we still do not know. Um and and then Twitter began this campaign of weeding out the bots because the, the bots were somehow interfering with our elections. Now, I, I, I'm just a little too simple, but if, if I were uh, Putin or, or somebody in charge in Russia and I wanted to interfere in the, the United States politics, I wouldn't put my support behind Trump. I'd be trying to get Hillary in. I, I, I mean, that's just me. I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I worry about Trump having his finger on the button to launch nuclear Armageddon. I really – I'm concerned about that. So I find it interesting. So Twitter goes on this campaign to purge um, bots from the internet. Well, they, of course, use artificial intelligence and algorithms. The problem is is legitimate operations such as PJNet, which is – Human powered, and these humans are using the technology that Twitter makes available to anybody who wants to use it or knows how to use it. Um, so we're dispatching these tweets, but but the algorithms tend to categorize us as bots because we're tweeting while you know around the clock or whatever. Um, and, and it seems to go further. Now we're trying to – you're hearing a lot about you know conservatives are being singled out 
in in this, and they're just censoring conservatives in general, whether you're a bot or not. And of course, you you need not go too far to find testimony, conservative after conservative, saying that Twitter has suspended or shadow banned or taken some adverse action against their account. And they haven't done anything wrong. It's only because they're conservative. It's only because they support Trump or or something you know along those lines. Now I have researched this, and and I I have not come up with a smoking gun whatsoever. Do I believe there's some some truth there that needs attention? Yes. Um, but but it's very difficult to prove. It would be kind of like um. You, you were pulled over for speeding and offering a defense saying, well, everybody else is doing it. Why am I being singled out? Well, that, that in a court of law, if you get in front of a judge and that's your defense, uh, you're, you're not going to do very well. And that's the kind of defense that is being put forward in most cases. Now, I've examined the Twitter rules in depth and depth. I, let me just say, they're painted with a broad stroke. It appears to me uh, – well, let me give you a concrete example. Um, it is against the Twitter rules to use a hate symbol on Twitter. Okay. Um, um, you know, when I studied just contract law, one of the five basic elements what, of a contract what, what, what's is… What's a hate symbol? Just anything like a swastika well, or something? Or? Well, okay. Well, <laughs> let, let's think about that a minute. Since they don't offer any examples of what a hate symbol is… I guess it, it, it leads me to believe that it's whatever Twitter wants it to be in the context of, of their agenda at the moment. For example, what if you published an image of an, a Nazi swastika? Well, uh, so, so is the Nazi swastika a hate symbol? Well, if, if I publish some historic documentation on uh, Hitler in Germany, it, it would very likely include a Nazi swastika. This is just a statement of historical fact. But if I use it in connection with the skinheads, that same symbol now takes on a different meaning. Uh, let's go a little further. Would the Confederate flag be a hate symbol? I, you know, well, again, I think it, it depends on the context of how it's presented. Oh, how about the Gadsden flag? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I find it odd that it, that you're trying to write rules. The purpose of rules is to enforce some kind of order, and and when you have a rule, that becomes the the mechanism by which you discipline. But the purpose of discipline should be compliance and correction. But it seems to me that the purpose – these rules are so vague, it lends itself to the dialogue that these rules are simply tools that are being used as weapons to silence conservatives. It gets a lot more complicated than that, but that is it in a nutshell, and I don't have a smoking gun. But here is, I believe, the strategy that can be used, and it was put forth by Ted Cruz. And others, but he was the one that nailed it so well. Okay, he had Twitter on the hot seat there in a congressional testimony or Senate testimony, and said, "Is Twitter a neutral public forum?" 
Well, you know, that's a yes-no question. You can imagine he said yes. No, he didn't. He he went on for five minutes and said nothing other than their goal is, you know, he didn't answer the question. So Ted Cruz tries to reel him in and say, well, let me let me explain why I'm asking. Because if you're a neutral public forum, okay, you enjoy the protection of laws regarding the content that is published on your neutral public forum. Now, let me give you an, an analogy. Uh, let's say that I make a – let's say that, Robert, you and I are on a telephone call, and let's just presume for a moment for illustration that AT&T is the carrier that is making this phone call possible. And in that conversation, we discuss oh, some illegal. Oh, but go ahead. <laughs> right, well, Verizon. It just any you know the idea is AT&T is neutral public. <laughs> uh, and we discuss some illegal activity. We later uh, commit that legal activity, and we are caught in that illegal activity. Why is AT&T not complicit in the crime? Because they're they're just a platform. They're not responsible for how the platform is used. So in the same sense, Twitter, how many pictures do you see on Twitter do you think might be copyright infringement? <laughs> basically, yeah, maybe um, a few. <laughs> all, yeah, basically all of them. You know. but, but Twitter can, can hold their arms up in the air and say, wait a minute, we, we're not responsible for any copyright uh, in, infringement because, after all, we're just a neutral public forum. The original poster has to bear the responsibility. If you want to prosecute somebody for copyright infringement, you'll need to, to go to the person that posted it, not Twitter. So that's the enjoyment of the protection of a neutral public forum. All right. Now, if you're not a neutral public forum, then you would be a publication. And Ted Cruz so eloquently said, and by the way, that is your right and enjoys the full protection of the First Amendment. If you want to be a political publication, you can certainly do that in this country. We're proud of that tradition and that law and that constitutionality. But you see, Twitter's being both. They, they are apparently – and I, I state that as a fact. I can't prove it. I believe it. Uh, it's very difficult to prove, but it appears that all of the outrage is from the right. I haven't seen a bunch of leftists complaining about being shadow banned or being suspended. Now, maybe suspended because right. that's you know, uh, Twitter is extremely egregiously terrible uh, when they exercise uh, any sort of discipline, whether it's suspension. Well, let's start with shadow banning. They don't even notify you that you've been shadow banned. Nor do they provide an opportunity for appeal. They don't say how long it's going to be. You're just shadow banned, and there's just it appears to me there's nothing you can do about it. Shadow banned for just for clarity means that your tweets basically cannot be seen unless you go to your profile page. A visitor on Twitter can go to your profile page, and anything you posted will be listed there. But if you use the hashtag and search that hashtag, your tweet would not appear because Twitter has taken adverse action against your account for reasons. And and then uh, on shadow banning, they don't notify you. There's no appeal. But let's say that they suspended your account. Let's say that they uh, took some other form of action. Uh, they don't necessarily – well, they don't notify you, but at least you can go to their website and file an appeal. But here's what happens when you file the appeal. They say, uh, you have broken one or more of the Twitter rules. Here's the link. To our Twitter rules, and it would take you days to ingest it of all of these broad, you know, things. 
And and honestly, I think many people are clueless as to why it was done. So they assume it's because they're a conservative or they advocate Trump or whatever. You know, they're a Christian or something basically on the right side of the political spectrum. I have looked around trying to find the outrage from the left, and I I won't say I've my research is exhaustive, but I can't seem to find any, but I can sure find it from the right. So it, it breeds this narrative uh, that Twitter is censoring conservatives. Well, then – and they blame their, their artificial intelligence. The purpose of it is <laughs> right. to eliminate these bots. These Russian bots, you know, that are that are that are meddling and interfering with our election, and we're getting a lot of false. Po- we got a false positive. Oops, we're sorry. I've gotten such emails, you know, from them when they've taken adverse action against my account or my app, my personal app that we now use. Um. So, when you sum it all up. It, 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 it looks real bad, but it's really hard to prove in court. I, I think we all know pornography when we see it, but when you start trying to codify it into law, it gets real tricky, and it's a slippery slope. But uh, they have so many false positives that as a scientist, I would say any algorithm that has that many false positives is should be abandoned in favor of something else. You either don't use it or come up with a fix. There's too many false positives. And when you have that many false positives over that period of time, and they admit they're false positives, it's real easy to connect the dots and say there's a conspiracy against conservatives. Now, so, Robert, I could go on for an hour. I don't have any smoking gun. I don't have any conclusion, but I am encouraged that lately three members of United States Congress were in fact shadow banned. All of them Republicans, by the way. Um and they're 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 pissed. And 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 hopefully between them and Ted Cruz and some others, uh it's it's starting to gain some political momentum that something is out of control. Now there's some little subtle things going on that nobody knows about. Okay. Uh and some of it I actually welcome. Um, in the past, well, one of the things we do since the PJNet Twitter app got suspended, it took us several weeks, in fact, several months to come up with a, with a, a new way to get started. What we now do is say any Twitter user can, can have a, quote, Twitter app. So we have a two-minute process or had a two-minute process by which you can create your own Twitter app. And register that app with us, and you can schedule tweets, and, and you will you, we, PJNet, will use your app to dispatch your tweets, and no one else can use your app. So if you get in trouble, you get punished, but the rest of us are unaffected. Well, just last night, or night before last, I found out, no, you can't just get an app like you used to could. Now you have to apply for an app and tell them what you're going to do with the app in advance, and you must use at least 300 characters. No, most things when you fill out a form say you can't use more than this many characters. This one, you, you must use at least that, the 300 characters. Uh, and this is putting some hurdles in front of these bots who can easily create apps and easily you know, propagate thousands and tens of thousands if I were interested in prosecuting a botnet campaign, first of all, if that was my intent, I would have done it much differently, and there wouldn't have been a few hundred thousand tweets. There would have been tens of millions of tweets, hundreds of millions of tweets. I would have completely 
washed an avalanche of tweets across the Twitter landscape. I wouldn't have done I wouldn't have solicited real people to opt into our program. No, I would create accounts. I can create an account and shoot us two minutes. And then opt that account in and then have all those accounts. It would be quite easy from a technological perspective to have virtual personalities on Twitter that for all intents and purposes appear real. They're, but they're not. They're, they're simply – they're, they're real in the sense of real Twitter accounts, but they're programmatically correct. Uh, there's no real person behind that account. It's all automation. So uh, Twitter is taking some action, which in one way I welcome – Let's let's make it a little harder to get an app to begin with because apps can mass produce tweets. Um, but on the other hand, it, it's making it harder for our own legitimate human people. You know, now you have to come up with a reason and tell them what you're going to do, which you know, and then you got to wait. So I submitted my application for an app, an app for an app. Uh, about 48 hours ago, and I, I've not received either. It, you know, I got the usual automated email, um, but I will check my email right now. But I hadn't heard from them, um, and and that's the simple one, Robert. It, it would I could talk for hours and never come to any solid conclusion, but the conversation is very real. Some people are simply just not aware of the Twitter rules. They've they're they're breaking them, but but they imagine what the rules are instead of actually read them. They just imagine certain things that seem reasonable to them. And Twitter's rules say you can't do this too much, or too often, or too fast, or mm-hmm. you know they're not quantified. So, uh, you know, I I just would call upon Twitter to please, you know, be specific, quantify your rules. And when you have a speed limit posted, it's a number. It doesn't. It, the sign doesn't say don't drive too fast. You know, it says speed limit <laughs> 55. You know, and when you get pulled over, the officer doesn't write you a ticket saying you've broken some rule. Go down to the state law library and find your infraction down there somewhere. It's in there. Uh, yeah, so this is very sloppy, and it lead, it lends itself to, to conspiracy theories. I, I, I'm, I really am done. Good. I take the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead, and as promised, let's go ahead and uh... – Get Jim in, and then we'll bring things back around on our roundtable here, uh, starting with uh, yourself, Dr. Tolbert, and then we still have um, uh, other folks on, so we'll get them in as well. But let's go ahead and uh, welcome Jim, uh, another Jim, not uh, Jim Connor, who's uh, I at least see still on the line here. Uh, but let's go ahead and go ahead and uh, welcome Jim. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm fine. How are you guys doing tonight? And thank you for allowing me to come on your show. Good, good. You're welcome. But um, can so I go tell ahead? us what's, uh, what, what's on your mind about tonight's topic? Um, about the whole Twitter thing in general. Yeah, that or our previous or our previous topic or. Well, I kind of was out doing something, so I didn't listen to the previous talk of topic. But in terms of uh, Twitter, I think what people need to understand is that a lot of these companies, like you know, the whole, pretty much all these social media outlets, that they're, they're they're operating from the realms of California um, and Southern California at that, which is one of the which is some of the most. Well, San Francisco, I don't know if it's Southern California, but I, I, it's in California which is pretty much some of the most liberal areas of this entire country. So, yeah, they're going to have a political bias against conservatives. Um, 
I don't like it personally, but my only issue with it is the fact that I think conservatives need to, it'll be nice for conservatives to build their own social media platform. Because I've tried it, I, I know I've tried it. It's extremely hard to um to gain traction for it. So I respect those. I respect the grind that goes into it. But I just think that as conservatives, we should build our own platforms and instead of pretty much complaining about it. Because at the end of the day, these are private companies. Can I rebut that, Robert? Yes, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they are private companies. In one sense, I think they ought to be able to do what they want to do. But they can't claim to be a neutral public forum and avoid any responsibility for the content posted. And I, I have in many conversations, Jim, heard what you're saying, and my response is this. That's called surrendering the turf, <laughs> okay? Um, no, um, we're not doing anything wrong. We are simply expressing our political opinion in a neutral public forum. No, I don't want to go get in a box that nobody can hear except ourselves. And I, I say this to churches as well. Okay, We have our worship services, but we're do, having them in a box. We need to send it out. So I'm not opposed to some guy opening a new platform for conservatives. And that, you know, I'm sure they would have a fun. But, but that that – as a coach, I, I would say that that's surrendering the turf and just handing it back, you know, over to, uh, at that point, Twitter would have a problem. They would only have liberals left if everybody, if all the conservatives went yeah, to the just conservative be an platform. Echo chamber too. Right. And Twitter needs both, but I, I don't want to lose my voice to go speak in a box. You know, they, they offered that to a guy in Oregon who had prayer after a game you know, and he, they they said, "Oh, you can go over here in this little box. You can go pray in the box." You know, and he said, "No, I'm gonna pray on the field. I have a right." Can to I rebut what you just said? Sure. Okay, I hear what you're saying that you don't want to be confined into a box, and pretty much you don't want to be confined to an echo chamber. But if Twitter and Facebook and these other outlets are are doing this to conservatives, because I do believe a I do believe a conservative can constituency do make up a, a, a actually make up a large part of each of those platforms whether they whether they know it or not i mean all you have to do is look at the um what are those things called they could pretty much tell people's political views conservatives make up just it's, it, i mean conservatives make up a good portion of it and if conservatives was to leave a lot of these platforms that could actually make a lot of them fall because now that they're, they're going to be in a position where they're not making enough money. So mm-hmm. that's why well, I'm that might be happening to Facebook right now. <laughs> Look at their stock. That's what's happening. <laughs> that's yeah, what's well, happening with Facebook. Plummeted. Yeah, both companies, their stocks have taken serious nosedives on uh, July 27th. But that, but but I think people ignore the fact that there are many people who are conservative. And some, to some degree, liberals who are pretty much leaving these platforms, they're going to other platforms. That's what yeah. that's that, that's what a lot of that is. And then you got the mainstream media that's somewhat smearing. Was I don't know Facebook a lot? They're smearing Facebook a lot, saying that Facebook was in cahoots with Russia and um, running these ads and blah 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 blah. But I think that's what's happening. It's, I don't think it's necessarily surrendering. I just think that, okay, well, you don't appreciate our voices. We'll just move on somewhere else, and we'll just see how good you do without us. I, 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 your point's well taken, Jim. You know, I, I think there's merit on both sides, but I, I don't want to leave 
Twitter for the reasons I articulated. Robert, you remember back a long, long time ago uh, after the Republican National Convention and that fiasco where, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I I said, you know, nothing's going to change unless some people leave the party. (laughs) You know, so we need some people to leave the party. Uh, but we need some people to stay, you know. So it, I think, uh, Jim, that that you know, I, I hope that kind of reconciles the two points of view. You know, we we certainly do need to to bleed, you know, bleed the dragon. Uh, but at the same time, we we have to have enough footprint there. So when if they correct themselves, that we can come back in and have an open public forum. I'm I'm just I'm good with that. Anybody else kind of find it funny that okay when I when I look at the leftists and, and, and their arguments and trust me I'm not trying to get off topic I'm I'm just saying when I look at their arguments about us supposedly dehumanizing um, immigrants which by far isn't true is it do you not find it funny that when you look at their platforms in terms of the Twitters and the Facebooks. And then when a conservative says that he or she is shadow banned, the leftists will kind of de- well they not not that they kind of they do defend the fact that some conservatives get shadow banned, but they also in the process will dehumanize a conservative by calling them a white supremacist, mm-hmm. or Islamophobe, or this then the third. But I but I just find it interesting that you know they they're quick to dehumanize people they don't agree with, but yet. Um, make false accusations that we dehumanize immigrants. I, I just find it interesting. But yet they're the ones that dehumanize, especially if you're a black conservative. Oh, they'll dehumanize the hell out of you. It sounds like you got some personal experience with that. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, this is online, not to my face. I just want to let it be very clear. <laughs> well, okay. Well, they they, they won't come to your face, but they... They're a lot braver when they're when they're when they're saying stuff to you oh, online. Yeah. Then, oh yeah, well, sure, one hundred percent. But there's a lot of buzzwords that go along with this. With community safety, you know, is a is kind of a buzzword. You know, we, we want a safe community, and, and so I would love to had been in that Senate hearing and helping Ted Cruz. So you took these adverse actions against these people in the name of community safety. Did you report any of them to the authorities? You know, I mean, really, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, I'm not excusing bullying. I'm not excusing, but this is this is a can't say. They can reach across the TV at the screen and punch you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, some some Russian operative or some Russian bot who might be located in Kansas City, uh, you know, tweeted something. So, so. I, I, I don't understand the narrative. It, it doesn't make I, – I have no idea how it got to this point. I mean, is that the best well, thing? Well, you got the most, most – well, let me tell you something. Here's where it got to this point, and, and I think, one, the media – and I'm not just talking about you know your, your C-SPAN and your – not C-SPAN, uh, your CNN and your MSNBC and all those likes. I tell you what, Google – and we talked a little bit about Google last week – is that – Go tr- and I'm, I'm sure you've done this, Mark. Uh, go Google something and try to find, you know, like a news. You know, go to the news section of Google and, and just push anything in, uh, that has anything to do with like political. 
and try to find a conservative publication, even if it's just Fox. I mean, there's not a lot of them, yeah. but but still, try to find a conservative. I mean, you've got. I, I was doing some search uh, today about uh, one of our other topics about parting Manafort, and it's you know liberal publication, liberal public. I mean, just one after the other. I mean, Vox, yeah. and then ones that you never even heard of. Right, obscure and like, publication. And then yeah, Fox yeah, News yeah, is nowhere to be seen, or, or, or no other conservative right. blog, or anyway. Yeah, well, and 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 I'll just bring this up. I don't want to do it tonight. We've had a we've had a talk about it, but uh, YouTube is Google, and uh, there is I do have smoking gun on YouTube. They are persecuting Christians. There is no doubt about it. There is no other conclusion, and I am using. Not my analytics. I'm using Google's own analytics to prove it, and and I can't get anybody interested. But it's a fact. This is not a theory. It is a fact. And we'll just that's just a teaser for another show, maybe. But it's bad. It's it's a smoking gun, no doubt about can it. Can you can you give one exa- can you give one example that you found? Uh, Robert, can I take four minutes to just? Go over that. Oh yeah, certainly. And real quick, okay. let me let me make this disclaimer though. We are at the top of the hour. Where don't let your mics drop because if you do, unfortunately, you will not be able to call into the show. Uh, so keep those phones or mics uh, charged up because after about three minutes, and if your call drops, unfortunately, we won't be able to get back into the show. The show will be live for another hour, but unfortunately, you won't be able to get uh, called in. But if you'd like to listen to that portion because the audio. If you're just in chat, going to cut out too. Give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, and if you'd like to chime in, just push the one number to die if you just want to listen. Uh, we're good with that too, as long as you just share the link uh, later on the folks so they can uh, listen to the podcast. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to make this as brief as possible, and anybody can follow up with me later, or we can dedicate a whole show to this if Robert chooses. Uh, when YouTube began demonetizing uh, the 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 star of the show was Diamond and Silk. You know they demonetized that. I won't go into what that means, but it basically means your ad revenue from Google content providers get a cut of the ad revenue. Well, their ad revenues went down ninety percent. Now I've got a long list of people who cried. I've been demonetized, and and they mark your content. And I've had some of my videos marked as not suitable for most advertisers which means unless an advertiser specifically wants to run an ad, if they just place their ad in the normal manner, the ad's not going to show on your channel, so you wind up operating on 10% of the revenues you once had. Well, I got this brilliant idea. I'm going to run an ad and place it specifically on the channel for Diamond and Silk. After all, the stage has been cleared. I don't have to compete with other advertisers anymore. 90% of them are gone. This will be a piece of cake. So I got this list of people channels that had been demonetized, including PragerU, which is even more egregious. They they went further in their case. But here's the bottom line, folks. They didn't run my ad. Now I'm watching these channels. They're not running any ad, yet I've got a bid and a budget to place an ad on that channel, but they're not running my ad. So I called them a week later or two weeks later. I get these vague answers, you know, and say, Well, give it time. I said I did. That's why I didn't call you last week. And okay, now here's the here comes the smoking gun. I've got ads specified on channels with millions and millions of views daily or weekly, I should say. 
Um, and the ad didn't run. Then I add one more channel, the Young Turks. Do you know who that is? A pagan liberal channel. Oh, pagan. yeah, I think we all know who the Young Turks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Young Turks. My ad starts playing a thousand times a day on that channel only. Ooh. Huh? Really? I and I, I've got the spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, I'll share my screen with you. I'll go into my AdWords account and show you. Here's my placements. Here's how many times they've run the ad. And it, it, now it, they're not conservatives. I can get my ad run on Carl Joseph Watson all I want to, but he's not Christian. He's conservative. I have found a few, few Christian channels that I can get my ad placed on. But if I try to run it on Wild Bill for America, Diamond and Silk, and I, I got a list of my the length of my arm of placements on popular channels with tens of thousands of views on their videos, each one, my ad doesn't run, and yet they've been demonetized. Tell me that tell, I got them. It's just again, you're trying to get tra- uh, trying to get traction on it. it just. It's not one of the things that's going to be making one of the, you know, the big news are going to be finding on every night. <laughs> Maybe you, I, you could, I mean, you could find is, a way of, of tying it on to the Russian thing. Maybe that <laughs> Well, but remember back in the 60s, there were signs that were on a restaurant door, we reserved the right to refuse service to anybody. And this was a way of, of keeping blacks out of, you know. Well, I feel like there's a sign at YouTube saying we reserve the right to refuse service. In other words allow you to purchase advertising um, because, after all, you're a Christian. Yeah, this is Jim in Cincinnati. I think you've uh, hit all on the head there. One, with social media being the future, they've got thousands of people uh, that are paying to keep the wrong people's ideas off and like experiencing. And um, uh, there was something else you just hit on that was very important, the uh, – uh, yeah, it's like the blacks can't come into the restaurant. You can't say, hey, we're a public restaurant, but this person, this class of person or that class of person can't eat here. Uh, yeah. That's the same as these groups. If they're saying everybody's welcome, we're a public forum, and they have all this mysterious money behind them. I don't believe any of these things have grown organically from a college dorm room, like they say. Once they got going, at least the... <laughs> big money came in behind the ones we're all mm-hmm. familiar with. That's why it's so sure. hard to build your your own. They got sure. millions and millions of dollars of programming, and they're morphing every day to meet the needs of the people. But once you say I'm a public forum, uh, and then 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 you can't say, well, but the Christians that uh, we don't like, the conservative Christians are not welcome to be on our public forum. That's where they're vulnerable to lawsuit and damages and that type of thing. I, if we I, get to, I fully believe that. And PragerU, yeah. by the way, is in fact suing YouTube, but I can't – I have made four phone calls to PragerU and followed up with emails. Uh, they're, they're really being persecuted. It goes beyond yeah. demonetization. They've labeled it as hate speech and uh, not su- – they've tagged it in such a way that if you're a, in, a, in a school library, you can't get their channel. You can't watch their videos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah, really yeah. bad in their case. But I've tried to contact yeah. their lawyers and say, hey, by the way, it's worse than you think. I've got some information here, uh, but but they, they I've never heard from them. 
Uh-huh. Well, I was, I was going to make a comment on something. I, can't, I just had a... I just had a brain freeze. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. We, uh, now it is. You know, here's the thing, though, is that if it's possible, I, and I think I've heard some, um, is now, but now if you're a, a liberal Christian, <laughs> that's probably different if that thing could actually exist. exist but I yeah, think the ones who are, open, who are open border Christians might fit that description. I, I don't know, but I, I like I said, I have conducted this experiment since the at what we call the adpocalypse, which was late last year, like November. Uh, and, and like I say, I have found some channels where I can get my ad to run, uh, but they're very large uh, Christian networks that they probably are untouchable, you know. But somebody like us, like Wild Bill for America, Diamond and Silk, some grassroots. No chance in hell that I will get my ad placed on their channel. No chance in hell. I, if there was, I would have my ad placed on their channel because I've got a standing bid and a standing budget to do so, and they simply won't do it. I was trying to give them a little support, that, get the, get them remonetized. You know. Yeah, there you go. And I know Dr. Colbert's on the line as well, and we do have everyone's mics open to want to chime in a few things. Go ahead, Dr. Colbert. Yeah, I want to just do a couple things, and then I want to bring it to two subjects it's not covered. And first, when it comes to Google and YouTube, you have to go to who owns it, and that's Verizon, which a lot of people don't understand that you have multimedia corporations buying into other corporations. Then you get to your second subject on Twitter, and you look at a church, and you think about, if I was of a different denomination, do I have a right? And if you sign a contract when you join Twitter, does it still become a public forum? Now that the Supreme Court is ruling that you don't have freedom of speech on a sidewalk anymore, as you used to have, and cities and counties are restricting you to demonstrate or to speak that is going to be in the same realm of authority they're going to use to defeat the first amendment on other forums if you have to sign and say i agree and then you fail to follow their agreement then you don't have any rights that's just the way it is but what about the right that we can't even speak anymore Having said that, I want to take you to two other subjects that Robert was going to talk about tonight, and it's the subject of um, the criminal action of illegal immigration, which the senators are now just figuring out that the original action in Section 8 of the USC Code uh, 1325A, which was Immigration and Naturalization Act 1952, which makes illegal uh, entry a criminal uh, violation, and then it was co-edited in a current form in 1991, and everybody wants to lay immigration issues and ICEs on uh, Trump, where, in fact, it was formulated uh, at 9-11. It was a rewritten of 1954, uh, it's when they did the restrictions of Islam and then reopened the door. So when people get in discussion about Trump's uh, rules of law, uh, they have to go back and realize he didn't write it. It was him and responsibility of enforcement. 
So that was one area I just want to bring up. The second one is Article 5 of the Constitution, where everybody is looking at a constitutional convention, and they're looking at it because of the fact that we don't have a balanced budget. And my answer on a talk show yesterday and on Monday was a simple thing. Congress does not have restrictions to balance a budget. Congress not balance the budget means that you should not vote for any member of Congress that is not a business oriented and understands how to balance a budget. And these are two of the major discussions today uh, when they look at the fact uh, that ISIS is incarcerating families and that their senators debating the incarceration, not realizing this was based on Section 8, uh, 1325A of 1952, and it's the enforcement of that that ISIS has. And everybody under a democratic rule is not realizing that they were part of the original documentation. Um, so when you get into all your subject matters tonight of about being able to speak, are you aware of that you can't speak anymore on a sidewalk in a lot of states and demonstrate, and yet we're worried about the forum of um, Twitter, Google, uh, Facebook? Um, they're not the problem. Uh, the problem is you've lost your total rights of speech. Um, I have 700 letters of invitations because I'm running for the U.S. Senate, every one of which says I have to pay between 250 to $400 to have a freedom of speech to voice my thoughts about why and what I would do as a U.S. Senator. So my First Amendment rights, again, are violated. This is more in detail than everybody totally understands and although these minor areas that were discussed and are important they're not covering the full violation of the first amendment and the uh the uh, constitution itself robert so i just kind of wanted to say that and then stay out of the conversation well if anyone wants to chime in we got uh yourself mark and then dr tolbert and uh, you, Jim, uh, still on the line. We also have uh, other callers. If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you into the show. Uh, if you just want to listen, of course, that's uh, fine, too. Uh, so we'll go ahead and bring that back over to uh, you, Jim, and then uh, you, Robert, Mark, if you guys want to Robert, make any comments on that. Robert, could I ask the gentleman who's been speaking to again say his name and contact number, because that is a very important fight he's waging there. Yeah, yeah my name ahead, is uh, Charles. Yeah. Yeah, my name is Dr. Charles Tolbert. The website is calledtoduty.org. I'm a retired master sergeant, a pastor. I'm a doctor of education. I send the president 100 pages uh, per month on issues, whether you want to go in to bring jobs home, uh, the immigration, DACA, the OAS, if you want to get into Common Core, if you want to get into the uh, ISIS, uh, we're sending him 14 articles on ISIS and Islam, uh, about the uh, Michigan, uh, the uh, Islam uh, running for the uh, governor of um, uh, uh, Michigan. Uh, These articles are all on the website, and there is more involved 
when we teach the president the Constitution, then some of the areas that have a value, but I'm also a pastor, and if you come in and as an Islam to my church, I welcome you to speak what you have to say, because through my being able to talk to you and Seventh-day Advocates and Jehovah Witnesses don't want to read the book of John and we'll sit there and get in discussion. So I think there is a freedom of speech. I have my right to think what I think. They have their right. But we no longer have the right to do that. Um, thank you. I, I'm glad to hear Dr. Tolbert's information. Uh, also, I was referring to the guy who was talking about the, his Twitter fights, the guy that was just talking about Twitter, Robert. Oh, Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Mark Prasic. People call me Coach, uh, and uh, you can. My website is patriotjournalist. dot com. Okay. How do you spell your last name? Uh, Pr- uh, Prasic, Papa Romeo Alpha Sierra Echo Kilo. And I spelled okay. it wrong again, Mark. Why do I always think it's P R E? I apologize. P R E for the it's P R P R A S E K. That's correct. But okay. I, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I don't put myself out in front as you know, founder PJ Net. You won't find any of that stuff on my bio. If you go to PatriotJournalist.com, that website's kind of in disrepair because of some of the adverse action. Yeah, you know, we've had our wings clipped. We're emerging back, but the contact page has a phone number there. Okay, it's in Thank the two hundred two area code. But I'll I'll give it to you now, so you can just copy if you're ready. Uh, okay. That number is two zero two five five nine four six five six. So you're in the D.C. area? No, I have oh, okay. a Skype number. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay. In the D.C. area, <laughs> I deal with a lot okay. of people in D.C. They they invite me up over for lunch, and I'm like, yeah, come on down. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm in North Okay, well, thanks South. thanks to you and Dr. Tolbert for your contact information. Thank you. And you are? I, I, I'm the junior from Cincinnati with Watch the Vote USA. Okay. I would look forward to having a conversation with you on just about any topic of, of concern politically because uh, this has kind of been my life. Uh, I do have a day job now. I don't know if Robert – Robert may know that, but I've literally had to uh, take a day job uh, to to fund the, the the efforts that we're making, which are both uh, Christian and conservative. Um, okay. The the parent corporation that runs that website is By His Grace Ministries Inc. in Florida. It's a Florida corporation. Uh, it is not a five hundred one c three. It is not a five hundred one c four. It is a subchapter S for-profit corporation. And that's okay. a whole other discussion because that allows me to do things that <laughs> that otherwise could, would, would not be possible as a 501c3 or c4. Yeah, and okay. let me just clarify the 501c3, which was unconstitutional, written in 1954 when they decided to control the people that were running and churches, and we happen to be a 501c3, and we do not take donations. And I just got recognized as a public servant by the uh, by the president and by the Federal Loan Commission. 
but churches are joining 501c3s in order to skim money off of the population. So it's good that there are people out there that realize that you were supposed to give to God and you're supposed to give to Caesar, and churches are refusing to speak because of fear of losing right. their 501c3. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, they, they handcuff themselves, and this is a big sore spot with me uh, because I try to get political things done in churches, and they say, well, we can't do that. Well, the Word of God says that homosexuality is a sin. That's what the Word of God says. It's enumerated as a sin. You mean you can't speak on it? They're passing laws saying that you can get married and you can't speak on it? I don't want to be a 501c3. We we actually presented that argument to the Supreme Court of the 501c3s and the closing of the IRS under the H.R. 25, which eliminates all the nonprofit organizations because then everybody would buy and pay taxes. Mm -hmm the same time of purchase. So that's Mm -hmm. where we're trying to head with it. Right. I'm involved in that fight as well. Yeah. I'm not as passionate about it because I, but, but I I think it makes sense, you know, because the, 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 well, that's a whole nother show, but, but I'm, thank you for your affirmation on that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of topics. You have to re-listen to all the show and I think of just give me a, you know ideas of all the different topics we could have uh, <laughs> sideways into uh, uh, for tonight. Um, so that's definitely. I know we uh, Kelly unfortunately his call dropped, but we talk about that all the time doing like you know educational series and things of that uh, nature on on different topics. But I don't know how much uh, how much people actually want to hear that. But <laughs> yeah, the educational stuff, but you know, on a, on a talk show, but it's, um, it's something we bannered about, got, oh gosh, years ago, uh, on doing that. Now, one of the things, uh, I do want to, wanted to cover tonight and first of all, get, uh, everyone's thoughts here. Of course, you're sure been paying attention, uh, to what's, uh, the whole, uh, Manafort trial, you know, coming up, what's your thoughts on that? Um, and the possibilities and of course, uh, the little hints that, uh, Trump may, may very well, uh, and a pardoning uh, Manafort. So uh, we'll go right kind of around the round table here and get, get everyone's thoughts first with yourself, Dr. Colbert, and then uh, you, Mark. And then, uh, well, we just uh, lost Mark. And then, uh, darn it. Uh, well, I guess first you, Dr. Colbert, and then uh, you, Jim, and then uh, and then myself. I think he's testing me now. Go ahead, Dr. Colbert. Yeah. And I think the real question is going to be that what would be the purpose of uh, giving a pardon other than the fact that maybe by doing that, Manafort will come out and bury the Clintons. Um, there is a lot of tie-in to Manafort and other individuals that if he releases all the information and then Congress tries to bring a charges of uh, criminal action and the president pardons, how is that going to benefit or not benefit the president? And that's my biggest concern uh, when you take somebody like Manafort uh, or uh, even his attorney or other individuals. There is still a lack of staff in the president's uh, committees and, and, and administration I think one of the comments made earlier was even about Pence. Uh, are they going to have to uh, pardon the vice president when they find out his illegal action 
with Muslims and Islam in Indiana and that how he has played in roles of undermining the White House and the releasing of secret documents. There's a lot involved that is not really being exposed to the general public, and Manafort is just one of many problems right now, Robert. And I'm sorry, I was actually, uh, to be honest with you, I was kind of re- replying to a, a message there from uh, Mark. He got, unfortunately, he got uh, disconnected. Uh, what was the last part, uh, Dr. Tolbert? I apologize. No, the, the the last part that I was talking about was that when we're discussing Manafort, we're really not covering the equation with Pence that was talked about earlier and how Pence is tied into the Democratic Party, how Islam is taking over the state of Indiana, uh, how Pence is releasing information uh, undermining the White House. Uh, Manafort being uh, pardoned is going to be based on the fact that the Clintons will be found to have committed or uh, committed treason. Uh, then Manafort should absolutely be pardoned. But that's kind of like you got two guys holding up and one guy shoots the other person. Both guys are committed to uh, life sentences or death penalties for murder, but one guy turns in the other guy, so one guy gets pardoned. Well, that's kind of what you're doing with Manafort. He is one who has committed major crimes and treasons, but there's people greater than him that done it, so he's going to turn them in to get pardoned. Is that a correct way of handling criminals. That's really going to be the question. Well, one of the things I would, uh, my, my first thought is to just try to kind of stick it to Mueller and all that. <laughs> That's kind of my thing about the pardon. Say, you know, just screw you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to pardon this guy. You, we, I mean, even the judge excoriated uh, the prosecutor, through my understanding, say, look, we know what this is all about. This has nothing to do. Uh, to the prosecutor. I mean, this has nothing to do, really, with what we're on trial here for. Right, and that's the question. Did they properly investigate the issues that the um, uh, Mueller was supposed to, or did he divert what he was investigating in order to uh, find or impeach Trump? And did he legally and do that? To me, uh, Sessions... Uh, Rosenthal and a couple other people are being looked at being removed from office. Uh, There is a great neglect on the part of the FBI. Um, There is no reason after one year we should still be investigating something, and we've changed it to many different directions, such as 20 years ago you embezzled $40 million dollars. And so for that reason, under the investigation of Russian collusion, we have illegally uh, investigated your files and records. So that meant we confiscated, and they're not admissible in court, and if they're not admissible by the judges, then they cannot be prosecuted. That's as simple as it is. They violated your rights, and that's what they've done. And what do you think, uh, Jim? about the whole uh, Manafort trial. Robert, are you asking me? Yeah. 
Yeah, you're the last gym on here, though, bud. Okay. <laughs> the other gym, I, I, uh, unfortunately, missed him. Yeah, I'm not going to willingly drop off the call, but if if I disappear, it means my phone just dropped things. I don't don't think it will, but I want to listen to one now that I'm here. Um, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, of course. Uh, I believe that going to let the trial play out in hopes that he gets exonerated. Uh, he's not going to get, in my opinion, they pack these juries with at least with with the four, often the the jury leader, the whatever they call the foreman, with phony people. Uh, I could give an example of a case back in the 70s where they were trying to persecute a guy for curing cancer who was not an MD. And uh, his name was Jimmy Keller. The book, there's a book about it called yeah, I heard Forbidden something Med- on that. Yeah, Forbidden Medicine and his brother Ron, who's still alive. And uh, they did everything. They tried, they, the FBI, some of the things found in the trial, the FBI said, Jimmy Keller is dead. We hit him in the head with a crowbar. Well, they ruined his ear for life and deformed his part of his head, but he didn't die. But when he got convicted in this case, then they found his brother went to find the 12 jury members and could not find anything on the forum. So they they're going to pack, in my opinion, they're going to pack the jury. Now, uh, of course, I think Robert Mueller is a super criminal, a super traitor. He prepared the deep state. He covered up 9-11. He is a super, uh, uh, super operative of the dark forces at top. And uh, uh, I believe Trump should let this trial go when he's if he's found guilty, wait, you know, a week or two and pardon him. But if I if I were advising Trump, I would say, (laughs) come on national TV in the Oval Office and tell people what you're going to do and why you're doing it. And then after the election, where hopefully we gain some seats, which is not going to happen if the vote fraud issue doesn't come up, uh, then I would fire Mueller, Rosenstein, Sessions, all of them in the same day. Sessions is obviously compromised, uh, a completely Mm -hmm. useless – him and Ray both. Ray, I knew he was bad the first minute I saw that. You think he'll get impeached? Who? Wasn't there somebody uh, trying to call for uh, Rosenstein to be impeached? Yes, yes. I do not think so because there's too many many subversives like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell in the deep state who are not going to let it happen. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, I think that Jeff Sessions had good intentions, but they got something on him. He, him and Ray act like they're Obama's appointment. I can't tell any difference between them and, and Lynch. And uh, so I would then pardon Manafort, pardon Lynch, pardon everybody they've persecuted. Uh, that Mueller, uh, it's disgusting on MSNBC and CNN to see all these so-called liberals who are just giddy with excitement and glorying in Robert Mueller using unlimited money to uh, persecute Lynch and uh, – uh, not Lynch, uh, General Flynn and Manafort and Papadopoulos. All these are pure persecutions to try oh, to yeah. get at Trump. But the fact that, 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 that Rosenstein is this little guy who Jim Jordan could incapacitate with one headlock uh, if he wanted to – because he's such a little wimp, but 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 Manafort has the assa- I mean Manafort Rosenstein has the assassination squads of the deep state behind him, and that's why he's so bold. But he's like running the government, you know. This idea that he can appoint uh, uh, what's McCaw, uh, Mueller, 
with unlimited power, apparently, to go anywhere he wants. Which nobody's me, apparently seen. does. Yeah, and apparently nobody's even seen the original thing Rosenstein wrote. And then, of course, another big mistake, and I admire what Sean Hannity is doing and, and all of them, but they, they talk about these FISA courts like they're something legitimate. That, you know, it's like, oh, if I were a judge, I wouldn't want to be lied to. Look, uh, not to get to divert the discussion, 9-11 was a false flag by the deep state. Uh, the wars all came from that. The police, encroaching police state comes from that. The FISA courts are thoroughly set up by people like Michael Sturdoff. Every judge on the FISA court is crooked and needs to be prosecuted and put in jail. The FISA court is not going to do anything. And, and when they say, for the good, and when they say, people say things like, uh, uh, you know, um, or they expect, uh, or you know, I have some people that are following this QAnon uh, thing, and they're saying well, there's 80,000 seals indictments. There's 80,000 seals or 20,000 sealed indictments that Trump has ready and all this. I say this to all that. I would like to see one person on the left, uh, the Hillary camp, uh, arrested and put in jail. Manafort's in jail. No Hillary people in, in jail. So I don't see – I see that Trump is struggling against yeah. the deep state, which is coming forth. Everywhere they got somebody compromised, like Ryan McConnell, every deep state uh, asset or influence is being brought forth to stop Trump. And they're all having to drop their mask. So I'm for the pardon as soon as it's feasible to do so. Yeah, and that's why in February we sent a letter of the constitutionality that Trump has over the um, FBI and how he should uh, replace and fire Rosenthal, restructure uh, the CIA, the FBI, the uh, ISIS, uh, Homeland Security, and that there's now 19 senators that have formed an impeachment article against Rosenthal. So there's a possibility within the next couple months, and I agree it's going to be after the November election, there is going to be a big shakeup in the FBI. And the IGs so. should be replaced also. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, I don't even trust Horowitz. I, 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 Horowitz, to me, wrote his thing. It was okay, but he's, there, there, he's kind of protecting anybody from the Hillary camp and all that from going to jail. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't trust Horowitz as many people are hopeful, but I hope he, I hope he exposes these FISA, uh, frauds that's gone on, but I'm, I'm just not so sure. No, no, that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, but Well, what do you think about this? Is a little bit off topic, but you mentioned that you mentioned Paul Ryan. Uh, what about Jim Jordan uh, talking about, uh, you know, running for the? Uh, do you think he's got a chance to be the uh, Speaker of the House? I don't know. But I support him. I support him. Uh, him and Meadows and and Congressman Louis Gohmert. There's a few of these guys who are stepping out front. I just don't. I don't know how many of these congressmen, they all seem to be pre-screened at the local level to be very timid people or party people first. And there should be, as, as Mark Levin has said, why do we need a freedom caucus? I thought the Republican Party was the freedom caucus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we all know that that's really not the case, and that hasn't been the case right. for quite some time. Right, right. 
I mean, at least, at least since 2012, if not even not even if not before then. Well, I would say it goes back uh, to uh, probably the early, the late '88 and beyond. Uh, anyway, but it, that's that's a whole other subject. But in any case, we find ourselves now seeing many, many apparently compromised. Republicans. I don't think Ryan. I don't think McConnell. I don't think Comey. I don't think uh, Mueller started out bad <clears throat> when they were eighteen and twenty years old and twenty-five and wanted to go into public life. But they got up there. <clears throat> whether they got money deals, whether they got pictures on them, whatever it is, there's something wrong with these people. Like uh, Ryan the other day coming out and saying, "I don't believe in these tariffs." Uh, which Trump's just trying to even the playing field, but he's, I don't believe me. I believe we have other tools. I mean, and Laura Ingram was ridiculing him on TV saying what other tools have been in the box for 30 years that nobody's told us. No, but Ryan is a pathetic figure and is looks compromised. And when push comes to shove, he talks like he's totally compromised. Like the other day attacking Trump for the tariff talk yet, saying we had tools that he didn't even specify in the speech what they were. No, I'm sure, because there aren't any. <laughs> exactly. He's just saying that. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, and then other people um, like Rosenstein, the Bushes, the Clintons, they started out bad, I think. They, 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 they started out um, early in their career. They knew what they were going to do. And, and with the case of someone like W, he grew up in that whole atmosphere. I, I don't think W seems personally like the worst guy in the world, but he 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 went along with what his daddy and others had set up. You know. Yeah, it kind of seems like. Yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised and disappointed about uh, about Bush the younger. You know, I really was. I mean, because I, I I really supported him a lot uh, when I was uh, yeah. when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've done the same thing. You support people for years, and then you find out, you start to find out stuff that you don't want to find out. You know. Robert, Doctor Tolbert, I'm going to drop off now. I don't know if there's anything else we need to really get into, other than the fact of the what we talked about of the. Uh, uh, the budgeting and the removal of people and people wanting to think about uh, con- constitutional convention and or the fact that the ICE's rights under the act in 1954 and everything else that was discussed on the show tonight. Well, I definitely, you know, I definitely appreciate uh, you know, coming on. It has been a jam-packed, uh, jam-packed show. We certainly got uh, a lot in. In the the time I've been kind of working on some things uh, behind the scenes here, but uh, you know, with with a lot of this uh, going on, certainly want to get updates from you know everybody from you know, from Mark and then yourself, Jim, you know, on the goings on. And I tell you what is, uh, and you mentioned Laura Ingram, she was mentioned last night. There's only like it's 97 now, 97 days. That's not a lot of time. 97 days till the midterm election, and, and my concern with that is. Is that I don't think enough people are awake. I mean, if you remember the 2000, John will get you in the call in a, in a few minutes. Uh, but my concern is, is you know, the 2016 uh, election, the grassroots and conservatives, they were pumped. 
they were ready to – they were out there. I mean, I mean, Jim, you pointed out that you, know, you knew Trump was going to win just by the amount of Trump signs that were out there compared to Hillary signs, at least when, in Ohio. And, and, and my concern is, is, is that excitement and that wave, that movement, as some people called it, in 2016, I really think it's, it needs to be reinvigorated uh, for the 2018 election, and I just don't think it's there. I can't tell, but I, I hope people are so stupid that they think we need the Democrats again. Well, I mean, well, and that kind of kind of goes in line uh, with with I mentioned with Google, is that all the unless you're watching Fox News, unless you're listening to some you know some of the conservative radio stations, you're you're getting bombarded and inundated with. I mean, I mean, look at Google, for example. I mean, you need to go page after page after page just to find, you know, a conservative uh, outlook on a, on a topic, a political topic. I mean, just to find it, just like, you know, when I was doing some Googling about, you know, Manafort, pardoning Manafort. I mean, it was, it was all liberal publications. It was unbelievable. I even read a few that you know, I, I never heard of and I wasn't quite sure of, but, yep, there you go. All, all these liberal uh, – so people are inundated. You can't – I mean, the you know the only TV news is Fox News. If you don't have cable, forget. If you're somebody who doesn't get cable or a satellite or something like that, forget it. There's no way in hell you're going to get uh, the conservative uh, viewpoint. Yeah, you're right. you're right on that. I I just wonder the average person who's not paying close attention like we are, how many actually want to put the Democrats back in charge? But if we're depending on the people. Who believe in Google and social media, then we are in trouble, right? I agree. I just don't and let, know. Let's not no, hope not, because all you know, all the what the people, uh, you know, just just getting negative day after day, day in and day out uh, on Trump. Uh, you know. Yeah. Let's, uh, well, you know. But let's go ahead no, and bring in got... uh, John, and thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Man, oh man, this is awesome. I wanted to suggest. You know, it's kind of like we're getting to a certain point, and then things drop off. I would, I'm like going, man, keep going deeper on each of these subjects. You need to spend one whole three-hour show on each issue, because it's like the depth of the detail is what convince, in my humble opinion, is what's going to convince people to stay in the fight. Because if it just gets to a certain level and drops off. Then I'm like, well, we're never getting anywhere. We're going to do the same thing we're doing for the last 15 years and get to a certain point, and then we get nothing done beyond that. So it just talked. But um, yeah, and I'm just saying, yeah, I'm with that too. Hour, you you went over the first hour on that topic, and I'm like going, just roll with it, go with it. All them people, let them go with it. Talk, spend the whole three hours on this USA. You know, watch the vote <laughs> stuff if you want to, because we need to dig into the details because. Different people present different issues, and some people are seem a bit timid to want to challenge the things that are said because they don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings or whatnot. And I'm like going, no, because we got AI, and most of these computer nerds and hackers out there that really have a scientific or a really high technical expertise understand every get everything gets. Um, broken down to an assembly language, and even the optical scanners turn it into a digital form in order to retain it on a hard drive. Yeah, optical scanners were great whenever you just printed it out on a piece of paper. 
But once they introduced the digital aspect to it, that's when, it, or I mean, the you know storing of the in, the information on any kind of data. Uh, storage medium, it had to be converted to digital. So the optical scanner and the digital scanner are really the same thing because they all get converted to zeros and ones and break down through all the different languages, whichever one's being used in that system, to an assembly language converting it to zeros and ones. So that with AI, in the future, and you got face recognition, you got eye scan, you know, retina scan and stuff like that. They're, you can remotely activate your cameras on people's laptops and on their um, uh, computers. So anybody sitting down in front, front of a computer, the system can read your face and read your eye scan, and they know it's you, and then they just present to you on your screen what they want you to know. It don't even have to be legitimate. The only way to make it now, that's a, I want to encourage you to go into a whole other story because it, Understanding how to validate and verify that all of the um, image ballots were exactly the same would require a group of people in the end anyway. So the basic or the main thrust of what Jim Condit was saying and a number of other people, even um, Mr. Brakey at the end there, is we have to get back to the fact of counting the paper ballots before they leave the precinct in the front of all of the public citizens. You can't just say count the ballots before they leave the precinct because then somebody's going to go, well, we did. The machine counted them for us before we left the precinct. Yeah, that's not the same thing. You have to be detailed in that regard. But that's anyway, exactly right. I want to encourage you, <laughs> yeah. Robert. Well, that's Robert, exactly next right. time, think about in the future, introduce two topics or one, and just at least for like this show, is like, hey, we're going to talk about this on hour one and this on hour two, but we really want to stay focused on whatever it is. It's grab the heart or minds of people at the time and just grow with it. Keep them coming back. Um, Robert, if you want to. Go, go ahead, Jim. No, I, I agree with everything that John just said. Um, I, I, if you want to, one week, we could, Kelly and I were two of the participants. We have the Watch the Vote USA report that went to President Trump's election commission a few weeks before he shut it down. That's in full on watchthevoteusa.com. We could go into that. We go into, in, in that report, we go into depth, in depth, how the vote should be handled from the time the voter votes until it's announced on TV at night and uh, the way it should be done. And yeah, what John said is exactly right. The, the, you, you always have to say hand counted paper ballots counted at the precinct before the ballots leave the public site. That that's two parts. Mark the ballots by hand each voter does, and then count them before the ballots are taken away from public site. They Once counted people by hide, human beings. Counted by you, yeah, and that's right. And of course, that is that. Maybe we need to say that counted by human beings before they live. live well, yeah, uh, that's certainly. Of course, and hand well, counted paper hand counted paper ballots, which is the first part of that. Hand counted paper ballots before they leave the place implies that it's hand counted by human beings. But maybe we should say that more directly because the counting them by machine means absolutely nothing. Because uh, the people that want to cheat could eventually, or now, get in there and warp the programs, and the, the average person doesn't know what's going on. So it's two parts. 
you know, and and that count every crook in throughout history, when they want to cheat, they've got to remove the ballots from public sight before they're counted by human beings. Yeah, I was just trying to stress that point, Mr. Condit, because when people say the counted before it leaves the precinct, you know, most people, myself included to a certain point, you know, because especially when I was 18, 19, 20-some years old, I was like, well, hey, the machine counted them before we left there, you know, right. hand counted. We handed them into the machine. It counted them. They're hand counted. We just got <laughs> yeah, them. No. no, you're it's exactly all semantics. right. People, exactly. that's communications is very, very important, and that's why I'm always saying on this show, I need you guys to hold me accountable because I can catch myself, or I'm less likely to catch myself speaking and communicating wrong than you guys because sometimes I'm thinking in my head it all makes sense. I just don't understand how you guys are receiving it, so I need you to call me out and say, hey, did you really mean this because this is what it sounded like you said. Well, you're usually clear. I've heard you on many calls. You're you're very clear to me. But you're exactly right on all, the, all these comments. Yeah, I think the technology issue with, I mean, Mark and Kelly, you know, they've said in the past that they understand how to program and stuff. And, you know, I don't really get into talking about my personal stuff on these kinds of calls and stuff. But I'm like going, that totally surprises me that, Anybody with any computer background to a certain level is going to accept any kind of computer, you know, digital information or whatsoever. Because you know, if it's man-made, it can be man-manipulated. Period. I don't care uh-huh. how you look at it, especially with AI coming into the, depending on who programs the AI, and with you know, like I said just a while ago, with the facial recognition and the eye retina scan capabilities. You can create all kinds of stuff to manipulate people to make it look like. I mean, that's how they. Oh, that's a whole other show. Anyway, I was just like. <laughs> well, we, we started a, whole, a lot of whole other shows on this program tonight. <laughs> exactly. I just wish that they would go in deeper. I don't want to talk. I don't want to call in and talk on these shows. I just feel that there's a necessity to encourage or to talk about the points that's not getting talked about because those are the things, in my humble opinion, that's going to make the difference. But we've got to take it to the to another deeper level of actually that makes people feel that, they're, that they know that it's going to be worth them investing their time and energy and money and whatnot to get it done. Otherwise, it's just another talk show that's really going nowhere because you've got too many things going in too many different directions and nothing gets very deep enough to justify any really solid foundation to work off of. That's just my opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. Well, no, I think well, it's you know, I try. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, and sometimes, we, I mean, sometimes we have, I mean, you know, not not recently, probably this last year, you know, normally, you know, I put it, well, you got three segments, you got three, uh, you know, different things you could talk about, or at least try to, you know, you give equal time. I mean, you see a lot of times, like tonight, there wasn't, uh, you know, we spent, you know, half the show on, uh, you know, what, what we were with Jim and then, which is great because, I mean, so that's what I liked about the organic nature of the show. I mean, we try to get, you know, multiple topics in, you know, so, because, you know, as we all know here, you know, people want, you know, just, just they want something different. They don't want to talk about the same thing for three hours. Most people don't. Um, and so, you know, and plus, remember one of the things, even from the foundation, and Jim probably remember this, 
you know, from the foundation of the, uh, you know, the show is, you know, we've always promoted, we do your own research. I mean, we'll give you a, you mentioned a foundation, you know, and we'll kind of whip your appetite out about a certain, uh, you know, certain topic, but, you know, that's why we give links and things of that nature. Like, well, we'll go do your own research, right? We've always uh, promoted here for, you know, Hey, don't take our word for it. Find the stuff out for yourself. Cause that's when you really start believing something is true. I mean, just hearing us talk about it, and no matter how intelligent or, or passionate or, you know, how much we, you know, sound like we know what we're talking about, uh, people aren't going to really 100% believe it until they really see it and experience it. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a way to say, hey, look, this is where it is. We give you a kind of a basis, the foundation, as you put it, and then you do their, your own research and, and let them have that aha moment where they're like, oh, man, I mean, these guys aren't just talking about, you know, talking about this. This, this, this stuff's real. Now what should now what should I do about it? Now unfortunately there's gonna be a lot of people's reaction out there. It's like, well, I can't do anything about it, so you know, I'll just you know, and you hear this I'm sure you hear this a lot. Well, I'm just gonna go on my own way and my own life and just try to make the best of what you know, what I can because I really can't control anything. I can't really do anything. So I'm just gonna take care of mine and you know, me and mine and I'm not gonna really try to change or do anything else because they they really people most people out there, at least in my opinion, really do feel helpless. You know, when it comes yeah, to these types of things. That that's, You just actually helped solidify the whole reason why I said you build a foundation that makes people feel it's worthy of them to put in their money and their energy and their, you know, all their efforts into making it come true. Because then they feel that there's enough details and enough, um, now please help me, Lord, communicate. I'm struggling with how to communicate this. The po- In other words, the reason why people do that and say, well, hey, I'm going to go on my own and, and figure out my own way or whatever, and they don't really jump on board is because they are not convinced that jumping on board with whoever the one talking is a, is a solid foundation that they feel is going in a direction that actually has merit to succeed. So therefore, they figure, well, I'm not jumping on that train. I don't go anywhere or it's going off a cliff. Otherwise, if they're convinced by our way of communicating, then they will feel like, hey, these people know something and they really understand how to get it done. Even if I'm stupider than they are, I'm going to get smarter because I'm hanging out with them and then I'm going to be able to contribute and help make others get just as smart as they are. And then we're all going to be together more in a force of strength than I would have been trying to run out and try to figure it out on my own somewhere else. It's the same communication problems with any relationship. If we don't learn how to communicate with each other, we end up divorcing our relationship and starting the process from ground one all over again with the next person because if you don't learn how to communicate and overcome the obstacles of communications in the process, then you end up divorcing and leaving the person or whatnot, and then you realize, I've got to start this whole process all over again if I get hooked up with other people because at every time, at some point, it comes down to communicating. Either you didn't learn, we didn't learn that we were all on different pages in the get at the get go, so we were on the wrong train together in the first place, or we were all on the right train. We just didn't learn how to, to communicate and get through the hard high hurdles. So therefore, we're disarray and we can't get the train to go where it's supposed to go. Well, and it's hard to keep, you know, and it's hard to keep motivated to keep doing things. And, you know, if you're not going to see any, um, any results and, uh, you know, in a way, unfortunate that we, 
you know, what, what we're trying to do is something that's going to take, you know, unfortunately, you know, probably much longer than <laughs> what we, what we've got to, to put into it. I mean, I know there was a lot of excitement around Trump getting elected, you know, with, uh, you know, draining the swamp, but it, I mean, people, a lot of people, maybe include myself kind of, you know, got swept away and thought, oh man, you know, now the Trump's in, man, we're just going to clean this up. Not realizing how difficult this, re- including Trump. I don't think Trump, when he first got elected, even knew how difficult things were going to be uh, for that. Um, and, and so it's, it's definitely going to be hard. That's why, again, it's going to be so important for uh, these uh, midterm elections to not be transferred over to the, the Democrats, um, either by hook or by crook. Uh, if they're able to succeed in, in, in at least getting the house, uh, all, you know, you're going to get that all this was for not uh, feeling. But anyway, we only got about uh, I'm about four minutes of that before I have to close things out for tonight. So let me go ahead and uh, give you to uh, your opportunity to do the closing thoughts about tonight's topic. And perhaps we want to bring up, uh, you know, topic you want to hear uh, in the future. I mean, we'll can't can't go into it, but uh, just give give us an idea. And then I'll have to close things off. We'll start with you, John, and then go with you, Jim. And, of course, gentlemen, as always, uh, we uh, thank you for having you on the show. John, go ahead. Oh, man. Uh, like I said before, Rob, I appreciate what you guys are doing with this show, and that's why I keep coming back to this show. And, uh, you know, a lot of other shows just want to be, like you guys were talking earlier, echo chambers in a box, just listening to each other. And that's not going to change the world and make it a better place. And that's why I keep being hopeful that, you know, our efforts on this, and it's more you and and the other people that's talking on the show than it is me. But I'm just like, hey, you got to keep going and do the best you can, but also at the same time keep moving forward and trying to take it to another level as best we know how. You know, and I'm just encouraging because I got to hear this same. I'm talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to you guys or anybody else just to try to, because I don't want to see another you know, choice between evil and super hyper evil, because, I mean, look at it this way. We cannot keep bringing forth the lowest common denominators for presidency and expect our country to work out good. Now, I am pleasantly surprised that Trump turned out better than I expected. Don't get me wrong, but I still have a problem with a number of things, and I still voted for him because I didn't want super hyper evil to win. But anyway, I want to encourage Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to encourage you to keep up the good work and keep going at it. And um, I also wanted to ask you, do you have a problem when we're talking with congressmen or senators or other media people, us dropping them a, a line and saying, hey, contact BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com and call in on Wednesday nights to the show, media people as well as congressmen and senators, because I think they need to hear this stuff. Do you have a problem with us pitching that to people? Well, well, of course not. <laughs> no, I really appreciate I mean, it. Yeah, 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 yeah certainly. We definitely like this, and that's you know a big part of the show is we want to hear from you know just the you know the, the people out there. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the the mainstream media and the in the you know. Um, oh, anybody's I, welcome on. Anyone is welcome on the show. No matter you know what your political persuasion is or whatever. Yeah, you're not afraid of being mentioned to congressmen or to the major media, news media, Robert. I know you're not afraid of that. It, it, it would be good if Bart's logic was a household word. No, yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of that. Yeah, wouldn't be afraid of that at all. Not not my name per se, but Bart's logic would be very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, on I think John expresses himself very clearly. 
I just wanted to say that at openlettertodonaldtrump.com, there's a tab that says New Open Letter 2018. And in there is one of the things Trump needs to do, which is make a call for his 2020 campaign, set up 10 phone lines or whatever to help everybody run, all Trump supporters run in the Democrat or Republican Party for precinct and take over both of these parties. That's what needs to be done. And I think only Trump and 10 phones or so, because people need help. They need to be able to call and say, okay, I'm in Hamilton County. How do I do it? And if they did that and Kellyanne Conway got that vision, then we could try to take over the country uh, by peacefully getting the majority in each county and the Democrat and Republican. And only Trump is going to get that excitement going because I've been pushing it for 30 years. People, I guess, feel they're isolated. But if the president pushed it and he could, everybody would feel, hey, my efforts could mean something. I'll call into the central and get some direction. So that's the way that we can make everybody not feel isolated and we're trying to get that message to Trump, although I don't know how to do it, but we're trying. Well, I've tried no, to help sir, well you got it. You got it about you know got it to him about the um, the vote. You know, got to yeah. him uh, about the electronic voter fraud. But I do have to end things uh, here tonight, gentlemen. I do appreciate you guys giving us today. It was uh, great from uh, hear from you as usual, John. And it was uh, great to hear from you, uh, Jim. Hopefully, you'll be able to. Uh, come on a little bit more frequently. I know you're, you're you know, really working a lot uh, on your projects there. So, and also running for Congress. So I want to wish you uh, the luck of that. That'd be uh, that'd be pretty awesome if you ever get that spot. I mean, I know you, you know. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do our best. Well, well, we'll have you on just to talk about the campaign uh, soon. Uh, just to okay. be that at least one of our segments to talk about that. But I do have to close things out. And I'll close tonight, uh, as I do every night, and that is with that song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Thank you very much, folks. And, of course, uh, check out the Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Check out all the different pages. And I'm still running my uh, campaign there to uh, send my daughter over to Italy. I got a little uh, thing there. Uh, Please check it out. Thank you very much, and we'll see you soon, and good night. Mm -hmm.